basically I, I pushed that off to them to, to figure out what they're gonna do because that was I, I know she spent like hundreds of euros a month on, on those scams. Oh, it was shit, like really yeah. bad. That's crazy. Yeah. In speaking of sta- <laughs> in speaking, speaking, it's, it's speaking of scams, hello and welcome to Everyday Channel number 161, your favorite, most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. Today's show is brought to you by our brand new Patreon, Martin Miguel Amor MD. Dude, we got a serious proper doctor working for or supporting us now. Is, is that it's how it best, works? I think it's the best name we've got. Uh, it certainly is. And I even I had to shorten it. There was, there was another initial in there, but I didn't nice. know what it stood for. <laughs> so, Martin, thank you, Martin. Thank you so much for your support of Everyday Channel. And if you want to support the running of the show directly, you can support us on patreon.com slash everydayeternal. Oh, it's the end of the year, guys. This is very consciously not another one of those. Okay, let's look at back at the last 12 months. Let's talk about this and that that all of you are aware of. We did that last year. I think it was kind of cool. Didn't we actually do like this, the, the legacy awards or something? I can't believe it's been already another year. Maybe we should do that in the next year at some point. I like I'm going to be color. completely honest with you. I don't remember at all. <laughs> Time flies, um, right? We, we probably did. We probably just talked about the cars that happened, the events that happened, rounding out. But I feel like everyone does that. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm a bit bored of myself, let alone Others. By the way, in, <laughs> this is this is Callum Smith. I I wanted to make it a habit to introduce us because I felt like, dude, this is like we're not we're not really big, but but whenever I tune into a new podcast, I at least want to learn like what the what the hosts are called, right? So my name is Julian. I'm from the Germany. We got Callum Smith from uh, the UK, and as a special guest today, we got Anurag Das from Anurag. You you live in San Francisco now, I want to say. I'm deep in the Bay, the West Coast of the USA. Hey, how's it going? Yo, yo, that sounds amazing. <laughs> but actually, is it is it though? I've heard I've heard things that like people have to have to lock away toothpaste and stuff. Is that bad? I mean, it's expensive, and yeah, in my grocery store, like I, I, I toothpaste is definitely like behind a, a key and lock, which is really weird are to you, me. But are you shitting me? I know. Like, you, I... you have to call somebody and be like, hey. That, that one with the strawberry taste or whatever it is. That I want that one. <laughs> I think Tooth, it was, it's, it's like toothpaste. It's like uh, dishwashing detergent and like what? vegetable oil. Those three things I have tried to buy from my local grocery store. And it was behind key and lock. And I was just like, what? And so, yeah, <laughs> that's wild. And for those wondering why we have uh, Anurag on today, he's the greatest thief in the multiverse. He will tell us how to make a living in the Bay Area without any toothpaste. No, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only reason, for sure. <laughs> if you don't know Anurag, I think that's the... That's, if you listen to this podcast and you play Legacy, there are a few people who are, you are more likely to know than Anurag. But if, if it happens that you don't know him, Anurag, I want to say you are the glue that holds the format together in the sense that you basically provide 90% of global coverage of legacy, at least in, in the English-speaking world. Yeah, I... Oh. I bet there's somebody calling you, they want another, like, day of coverage. Like, somebody's addicted, like, come on, come on, just, like, a couple more hours of coverage, please, He's please. about to say it in the thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, sorry about that, yeah. I So, so yeah, it is it is fascinating. Um, I, I do a lot of coverage. It's weird because, you know... 10 years ago, I just started off as a magic player. Today, I, I don't I don't know if I would call myself really competitive, um, but it's still fun. I think content is super awesome to just be engaged in and really does consume my mind a lot more than just like, oh, how do I want to take down this next, like, you know, RCQ or something, something, some of the sort. The story is, the story is long and winded and is uh, ki- kind of, uh, it's kind of cool to see where I'm at now. 
But we, we'll get into that in a minute because we asked our Discord uh, audience about which kind of questions they had for you. And what, what we want to do today overall is we want to look back at two of the biggest non-GP legacy events ever, the two Eternal Weekends that you covered, like everything that, that involved your production of that, but also look forward to, because that, that's the, the conscious idea behind this episode. We don't want to look back at what happened this year. We want to look forward to like what's next in store for specifically legacy, but maybe even like magic and magic coverage as a whole in, in the next year. But before we get into that, before we get into that, you, you might know, like... Uh, alert listeners might have noticed that our co-host Kai Savatari has been absent for like the last two episodes or something. He's in prison, I want to say. Nobody has ever said uh, something uh, contradicting that, so I, I've I will I've heard reply. him hitting the pipes today. I don't know. Wait, he's hitting the pipes? Yeah, down in the cellar, yeah. <laughs> I, I think he's trying to get out. But... It, I, I, like, you're the native speaker. I thought hitting the pipe meant something else. <laughs> British humor, oh, no. am I right? <laughs> no, no, it's just locked downstairs in the in the cellar. Hitting the pipes trying to escape. Yeah, I, I got that like, after a second. But, but he is also probably both. smoking some weed, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, apparently he managed to sneak out because as I opened Twitter today, he's in the top eight of the Japanese God of Vintage event. Let's go! And for those who don't know, like, God of Vintage, that's like some serious business. I want to say it's one of the more... It's certainly not the most prestigious, like Eternal Weekend, we're going to talk about that, but it's one of the most prestigious vintage events in the world, and it has one of the coolest prizes. We've talked about that on, I think, a couple of episodes. If you become the Japanese god of vintage, you play free, I think it's actually all formats, not only vintage formats. Yeah, for a year as well. For basically the entirety of your of your divinity, of your godhood, whatever you would call that. And it's super hard to dethrone the actual god because you have to win the regular tournament. And after winning the regular tournament, they then pair you up against the reigning god. And I think the reigning god actually gets to choose their, tech, their deck, which makes it even harder to, to, to commit like deicide or something. Yeah, they kind of metagame against you. <laughs> it, I, I love that. Like the flavor is yeah, really yeah. there. Like once you become a god, it's so hard to like uh, die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wait, that, that's kind of funny. So they just have like extra vintage decks to pass around like that. Like I'll metagame against this vintage deck with this vintage deck. I don't know. That's kind of cool format. I think I don't understand the exact details, but we, we talked about it before with Kai and he was like, they have to choose their deck ahead of time, but then they can tech within that. But you've got to retain your like, you've got to not mitigate yeah, too challenger much. Has to, the challenger yeah. has to stick to the deck that um, they went through the, the regular tournament. With. Yeah. But like last year in Legacy, I think it was like a four color control deck got to the finals and the other person was a Delver player. So they changed their Delver deck by like cutting all the bolts and stuff, but <laughs> by re retaining respect so for dirty. keeping with proper Delver and stuff. It was, it was stuff like that. Truly it, divine. <laughs> what, wasn't like the last God of Legacy actually won by a Chinese player? So they needed like a translator for the interview and everything. It rings a bell, but I can't remember now. Yeah, so, so a Chinese player reigns over Japanese Legacy now. <laughs> <laughs> Kai, they'd be so sick if Kai wins this vintage one. Yeah, they, he they he, might, actually, he might stay year. in Japan. Like, he was actually messaging me every once in a while. He was like, dude, I love love Japan so much. Like, this is the bathhouse. I go to this place every night and everything. So, I mean, the contrast to Berlin, like, I don't know if any of you have ever been to Berlin, but I, I, I can very much see it. I have many you. times. You have? Okay. Yeah. Um, he's just going to be like, sorry, boys, I'm not coming back. I'm a god. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a generous god. I, I must stay with my people. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. But yeah, we, we'll see. I, I guess in the next episode, we'll find out how Kai did. He hasn't posted an update in a while, which makes me think he went all the way to the finals, of course. But we'll find out about that in a moment. Wait, how but, do you tweet from prison, though? Uh, <laughs> but I think a German prison, you probably like have regular internet. Wait, what? I would, guess, I would think so. Like, I'd be surprised if you didn't have like internet in German prison. 
Okay, we'll talk about this another time, I guess. <laughs> well, you just blew my mind. This is like the equivalent of toothpaste being locked up. <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll ask Kai when he comes back. <laughs> Whatever times it takes. We found him with five doomsdays in his deck, sir. Oh, 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 yeah, okay. Now, now we're going to ship him off to some prison island or something. Australia. St. Helena is calling. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, Anorak. Julian. We have one person in our Discord who wants to know everything about you. We already talked about relationship history. We're not going to get to that. But they want to know what's your origin story as a Magic player? What was your first deck? What drew you into Magic? And what also allegedly sparked your joy because i know like your first legacy deck and uh i hope that's not how you got got your start what did you baby <laughs> uh well it looks like you found my alt account in your discord server so very good very good um yeah this is this is kind of interesting so my origin story for magic dates back to before i even started playing magic before i was born yeah yeah pretty much right um I, it's like so the tragic story of my parents died before I was born. Oh, it's not. It's not that dark. It's. I mean, it's. It is like. So like when, when I was in high school, and I mean, maybe, maybe a lot of people can sort of like relate to this. Like I, I definitely wasn't the most popular kid in 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 my grade or whatever in my class. And um, my best friend at the time was just as quirky as I was. Uh, and for his birthday, he had invited me out to like a, a beach house or something. Like that. I forget what it was exactly. Uh, an annual tradition that he had. And while we were there. Yeah, spoiler, we didn't go to the beach at all. We kind of just like hung around all day, ate junk food and watched TV. <laughs> but he handed me a deck of cards, not for Magic, but for Yu-Gi-Oh. And uh, we, we battled a couple of games. And um, spoiler, I, I got clobbered. I, I got absolutely destroyed. And something you, you about... You didn't draw like Pot of Greed? Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Like, I I mean, there was like a Pot of Greed equivalent at the time, and I didn't... My my, my friend had the deck, a card in his deck, obviously. I, I did not. He just gave me a, like a hodgepodge mix of cards. And so I got I just got crushed, right? It's like, it's like, imagine you're playing Legacy and you give your opponent like a draft deck. That's basically what happened, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I, being me, very petty at the time, and, and just like, I, as, as, I'm just very competitive, right? Like from, from a very young age, my parents, like they, they put me in all these math competitions. They made me do all this extra credit work. Like I was trying to be like, you know, valedictorian, all that sort of stuff, right? And so like instantly I was like, well, I, I refuse to accept defeat here. And oh, immediately, yeah, exactly. Immersed myself in, in um, like the, the lore, the game uh, to, to an obsessive level and... That sort of sparked my competitive story or timeline with card games in particular. Losing to my friend in a beach house where we didn't go to the beach. <laughs> and then you bought like a vintage deck and you crushed your friend. And, and, yeah, and, yeah. Like, but, well, I, I mean, I did what I could. You know, I, I, we, I, I started getting into the game, bought all the, the good cards. And then, you know, finally it was like, you know, we're, we're fencing basically, right? Dude, I, it's just to interrupt you that, you know, no, I, I very specifically remember one point in my life where I played Magic at school. And I ordered a card online which i felt like was the dirtiest thing i could do because we only ever traded amongst each other and that's like how we built our decks and we bought booster packs and stuff and then i discovered that you can order magic cards from the internet and i ordered i think four copies of pack hunt which is completely hor horrible card and i i picked that up from the post office and one of my friends actually just randomly happened to be at the post office as i picked up the card and i felt so dirty when they asked me what, what i got and i didn't say magic cards 
Because I felt like I was almost cheating because I ordered cards from the internet to make my deck better. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I mean, like that that part, I, I, I kind of got over that phase so quickly. I was just like, I'm going to win. I'm going to crush you, and it's not going to be close. Yeah. So like, fast forward a few years later, I, I got into to Magic because you know I just I kind of got tired of like Yu-Gi-Oh and everything that was going on. The game itself was also kind of just like. You know, it, was, it wasn't what it was before. And uh, I found some friends in college who were playing Magic. I was like, what is this? So on and so forth. And um, basically, my my background in Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, one thing that I had learned from Yu-Gi-Oh! I was just conditioned uh, to sort of grind out resources, eke out advantages. And so naturally, the deck that spoke to me most when I first got into Magic was like the blue-white-red uh, flash deck with Augur of Bolas, Snapcaster Mage, uh, Restoration Angel, and oh, that pile! Yeah, 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 like okay. the Jerry Thompson deck from a long, long, long time ago. And and and, and let, let me tell you this spoiler: I was really, really bad at 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 that at, at that deck. Um, oh, and, you you already mentioned that at Augur of Bolas, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I like, but like you know, the competitive nature in me, you know, I I discovered Magic Online and. At the time, we didn't have leagues, so me being as obsessive as I was, like I would just play in all the dailies I possibly could. I even battled in. Do you know like the the the, the two, two person mans. leagues? Yeah, Dude, exactly. The two man stemmer, the, the worst value in the history of Magic. Like you needed to win like I think like almost seventy percent to break even. It was like so horrible, and I was so addicted to that shit as well. Someone is as old as me. Okay, very, very good. Good to know that I'm not alone on this one. Yeah. Dude, the two months were horrible, horrible. Like at some point, like the you you want you got like 1.6 for a win or something, and you lost everything for a loss. It was just like the the value was horrible, horrible, and it was the only thing we had. People like we had in your particular time zone, you could make like one daily event. And I would sometimes go home early from university from lectures just just so I could play in the daily event, which was like four rounds. Yeah. For, the, for the two months, did you guys ever put like four lay down in the void, four tournaments scripted every side? Dude, yes, because you could actually. <laughs> that, that was the, the stupidest shit ever because you could already yeah. see which player was waiting in the two men, who was and the then first you just look one at to the join. Dredge. Yeah. So sometimes <laughs> you would join with like the complete anti deck, and it was just yeah. But yeah, I, I, I played like thousands of thousands of matches of that. I lost a lot of money. Uh, spoiler, I'll tell you this much because I was I was not good. Um, so that what ended up happening was uh, I played a lot of standard uh, from blue, white, red, flash. I, you know, I, I even dipped my fingers into value Jun with Bonfire of the Damned. This is like back in 2013, Ooh. right? Um, yeah. This is when I was really in standard as well. This is this is my time. I love it. it yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like within like six months, though, I discovered that there was this format called modern and i discovered that there was this archetype called birthing pod and i think very quickly that <laughs> that became that was like one of my favorite decks before when i played and it's it's kind of weird because i think a lot of people will like associate me with like you know being like a, a control player at heart but honestly like the decks that speak to me most like what i enjoy are like the uh, like uh, imagine like a, an lsv vintage cube deck it's just, like control but then it has a combo finish and so Birthing I'm pod. so surprised you didn't say twin then. <laughs> More yeah, than yeah, ever. yeah. Well, pod was uh, kind of it has some similar things. Similar things, right? Like, it, it, I mean, it wasn't exactly control combo, but it had like I think it was like at the time it was stronger than twin two. So I was like, all right, whatever, I'll just play this deck. And then yeah, like, but just like in that same vein, right? Like miracles back then was like 
Sensei's Dividing Top with an Entreat the Angels combo finish. Even now today, you've got like Uro plus like a you know fourth Air Lingas combo finish. I kind of I, I stretch the definition of combo very very <laughs> liberally. By the way, yeah, I think it it fits it fits pretty well. I yeah, think. and then um, but but like the the standard like okay, make my land drop, make my land drop, make my land drop. Okay. Counterspell, counterspell, like that's that's fun to a degree, but there needs to be some sort of element in there that's just like, like overwhelmingly cool or like a finisher, kind of like the one ring in modern, right? So, anyways, um, I played a little bit of Birthing Pod, and uh, as fast as I moved into modern, I, I pivoted into to to Legacy, and like this was like you know back when we had like the Sunday morning slash afternoon Star City Games oh. events. Yeah. The golden time, about. the golden era of of like playing in your Saturday Legacy event and then coming home and, and watching Legacy on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? And so the first deck that I saw that I was like, my jaw dropped, hit the floor. I was like, this is a cool deck. I know what's Tur- coming. Well, I, I don't know if you do. It's it's turn one Deathrite Shaman into Stoneforge Mystic or Dark, Dark Confidant. Okay, um, I, did, I did not know what's coming. There's a plot. There's a, there's, oh, this is a bumpy ride. Like this, this is a lot of plot twists here. Um, So I picked up all the duels for that. I worked a summer job so that I could afford the duels. It's kind of funny to think that I could actually even do that at one point in time because like definitely not now, right? Um, <laughs> And then from Stoneblade or Deathblade rather, I went into Shardless Bug. And then there was this person in my local playgroup uh, at college who played like the the old school, old school four color loam version with like, you know, Mox Diamonds, we know, Night of the Reliquary, we know, but like Devastating Dreams. Do you remember that? Dude, yes, I very much remember that. That, very, that card very much. was It was so... like 2007 and then it had a revival in 2010. And then it lingered around for like a couple more years. That yeah. was that was a Hoogland special as well. People won't know that, but he at least made it, put it on the map at least, that version. Yeah, in, in the US he was very much associated with it. Yeah, in, yeah. in Europe it's more like Dimitri Nikitin and, yeah. and Nikolas Kronberger. Uh, yeah, mm. that, those were like the three probably most famous. Um, low, and Anorak, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I got so frustrated with my, my bayous and underground seas getting uh, just like wastelanded into oblivion that i was like all right enough is enough and then i entered my darkest arc ever which was a nine month fling with Embercool and gristlebrand i was a show and tell main no. that's where i was getting it this is what this is like the origin story i know this is yeah. like I, I know that anorak used to be like an Emrakul boy you were the chosen one i know i know right and and so i remember like i played it an scg iq it was my winning in and i went Ancient Tomb, Lotus Petal, Show and Tell. Opponent went Force of Will. I forced back, put Crystal Brand into play. They rolled their eyes and just got up and walked out. Like <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. Did you feel but dirty? I oh it oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah. But like like you know it's 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 zero sum right. Like you have the good moments, you have the bad moments. And like one day I was at a locals. Um, this is like you know uh, towards the end of college, and my opponent Austin, I think Williams is a name that I remember from the Houston area. I don't know, whatever. Anyways, they're playing like good old Team America, like you know twenty thirteen ish, twenty fourteen ish kind of style, and they go you know spell pierce your turn one play him to Torak you him to Torak you again, you know, <laughs> and then force a will and you're just out. And I was just like looking at my deck, and I was like well, this is horrible. Like, I feel like I made all the right plays, but I just didn't have enough agency in my games to sort of, you know, maneuver around what my opponent was doing. I, I want hate to play lo- magic, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. So I was like, all right, here's what we're going to do. 
Um, I had just come fresh off of reading a story, an article by Reed Duke, where he narrates why he lost to Joe Lissette over and over and over again. TLDR, Joe basically played one deck and became a master of it. And so I said to myself, all right, I'm going to pick a deck and I'm going to get so goddamn good at this deck that, you know, people will, you know, they'll know, you know? And, and that's when you picked up Burn. <laughs> yeah, cut and you know, and then yeah, go to there or whatever. Um, no, but but like I I was like, okay, well, what deck gives me the most options and the most ways to sort of control my own story? And I mean, I, at the time, I think you know, Sensei's Divining Top was just that card. Uh, the other options were like Elves, I think Storm, and then and then this, and I was like, all right, well, let's pick this up and 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 go with it because it had the a lot of controlling elements with the combo finish that I kind of liked. And uh, from there, I mean, it's kind of kind of history. Just played a lot of that deck, almost too much of that deck. It died. I died. Uh, it came back. <laughs> I came back. You know, ups and downs. And now we're here in the in twenty twenty three, going into twenty twenty four with a radically different control shell, but a lot of similar elements to like the deck that I fell in love with. Hey, well, one might actually say you've basically pr played every iteration of a control deck ever since, like the OG Miracle deck, right? Yeah, I unfortunately didn't get to play even like the older versions, like good old like what is it like you know top counterbalance uh, fire spout tarmogoyf kind of stuff oh, like, OG, like four OG. kind of supreme blue supreme blue and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's what it is, right? And that, that, and that I wish even I had like rock swarmonk. Like you missed out, man. You missed out rock swarmonk. <laughs> that, that, that was the shit. As a row at home. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. I mean, you're right. You're right. Oh, that, that's actually so cool. Like, I, I really didn't know that you had like this this deep history in like magic altogether. I, I really thought like, I mean, that's great why we have you on the cast now. I, I really thought like you came into this from Yu-Gi-Oh! And you were like, oh, Emrakul, Grizzlebrad, this is almost like my creatures in Yu-Gi-Oh! This, this is what I'm doing. But I, I didn't know there was like this huge backstory to all of this. Yeah, I don't know if there's anyone who plays Yu-Gi-Oh! and remembers Thunder King Ryo was like the card. And it's funny to put it in, in, in Magic the Gathering terms. It's like... It's like um, a creature that I don't even know. It's like a what is it called? Oh, what is it? It's what is the the spirit that is like um, the angry guy, the two one that you can like sack to counter a spell or something. And I then don't know selfless selfless spirit, which is like gives all of the creatures on. It's like oh um, <clears throat> the yeah I know it. The so guy with the cane, it. and then there's yeah. a backside to it, right? Yeah, yeah. Then you oh, that yeah. one, that one, that wizard's dude. Something yeah. helmet. Yeah, yeah, the hermit, the hermit. Yeah, um, yeah. So that that's that's like what that's the kind of card that like I would play with in Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, and it's it's a very like balanced card. It it does what it needs to do, and then it also has a really cool effect on it. And uh, that that's actually like my my actual origin story is like finding um, granular advantages and really just like that's why like Deathblade was like the first thing I was like, oh yeah, this is exactly like the parallel that I'm looking for. So did you have any kind of like success in Yu-Gi-Oh? Um, I had the equivalent of one GP top eight, which okay. it, but eh, I say that, but in Yu-Gi-Oh, a GP top eight is like, they, they cut to top 32. And so it's, 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 it's crazy how different that competitive environment is. The, the TLDR, like, no, not really. Um, but, but like, I don't think I was like that bad, you know, like I maybe bubbled a couple times here or there, but that was okay, like the only okay. real, real result that I actually, so, actually so you were had. like, like this, this kind of grinder on the Yu-Gi-Oh Grand Prix scene, but who never made it to the very top level, but you were like, you were there, I guess. Yeah. I knew a lot of people. I think my, like my peak, 
like gr- like when I was really in the grind, I think there was a time when I drove from Houston to Miami. That's a 14 hour <laughs> car drive. By car? By car. And I was also in the trunk of the car too. So, <laughs> so it was like, it, it was a Jeep. So it wasn't like they like we closed need, the lid. You podcast about like human trafficking or something. <laughs> yeah. So like, <laughs> you know, I was, I was committed for a time. It was, it was great. It was great. It sounds Would I do it again? Like it. God, no. Yeah, I can imagine. Dude, that sounds amazing. That, uh, I still don't know how you actually became the god of death in Texas, basically, who, who has been, like, forbidden from ever touching the deck just because, like, the, the universe would implode. It's, but... like, the greatest meme, by the way. I, I love it to death and back, but also, like, I actually tried to play death in Texas the other day, like, uh, with, like, the new uh, black-white build, and by the end of round three, my head was in, like, such, like, <laughs> severe... But, like, I had, I like, almost, like, a... Like such a severe headache. I was like, all right, well, I'm I'm closing this league, I'm ending the stream, I'm going to bed, and tomorrow is gonna happen. Like at some oh, point. Oh, you didn't right? even finish the league on the no, stream. No, I went two one <laughs> drop. <laughs> okay, okay, we, we we gotta find uh, the VOD is gonna be on YouTube, I would guess. I would guess. Somewhere, yeah, yeah. Somewhere we somebody will find it. Maybe maybe we'll link it in the show notes. We will see. I I, I certainly wanna see that. Okay, dude. That that's an amazing history lesson. One thing, it's super awkward, but Discord requested it. What is your educational history? And, and just for some context, I linked the two videos in our show notes here when like we met you, or I rather met you at GP in New Jersey in 2014, where like you talked to Philip Schoeniger, and that's mm-hmm. like a second video of Philip basically grading your your sidebot plan and everything. And you, that video you're taking is notes. so cute. Yeah, and that's <laughs> I was Ranger. the biggest Schoeniger for fanboy i cannot even begin to you, you like so you remember like the og miracles cabal like yeah like very draft number one like this is the first thing i ever know, met uh, that, like, that chat is responsible for making brian cook very angry over the years so i um i remember like you had to have like some sort of results or something like that to sort of get into the and and, and talk to everybody and I had nothing like I was just a guy like playing legacy trying to get better and eventually what I ended up doing was I went back to and I'm going to date myself here I went back to the source and I compiled every single post that Philip had made into a word doc because that's how that's how obsessive. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I I mean like I was like dialed in man. I was like I really want to get good. This is the best guy. I'm going to play like him. And uh, I mean, that was part of my my quote unquote learning process. I I think I think I I I struck his heart a little bit there. He was a little bit charmed that I did that, and was like, "All right, maybe we can let him in." Um, and so when I went to the my the infamous SCG Con Jersey, the one where I made top eight but got disqualified, I oh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that one was. He was like, "All right, if you." Um, go like X and three or something like that, or X and four or whatever. We'll let you into the chat because you've done so much work, and <laughs> and I ended up making top eight, and then I got DQ'd. So they were like, "Well, you know what? We'll still let you in." And uh, that was uh, how I opened yeah. the door, got my first foot in. That was like to, to very quickly go over that. Uh, we know Anorak is like this this super bad cheater and everything. No, but seriously, <laughs> like this is where you like you roll that die to make a decision based on whether you would concede or not or something. Yeah, my opponent but- drew eight cards, and back in the day, like that was either you mulligan to six, like forced thoughtsies, or or what I found out on the spot there was you can intentionally draw the game. And mm-hmm. go to game like the next one, right? Because ma- magic is not actually like this is relevant with all the Amalia stuff going in Pioneer, but it's actually first to two wins. It's not like first yeah, to two points, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or best of three, exactly, right? So you could play technically like seventy games in a single match if you really wanted to get crazy <laughs> about it. Um, but 
yeah, yeah. I, I, I was naive. I wasn't sure whether I wanted to like seize the win because I was playing against elves, and at the time, like it, that was kind of like a buy. Like I'll be uh, sorry, Julian. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be <laughs> super honest. And um, I felt bad for my opponent, but part of me was like, it's two thousand dollars. Like this is a lot of money. So I was like, all right, let's just like flip a coin, and uh, and uh, that coin got me DQ'd instantly as I was trying to help my opponent uh by going into yeah. a fresh game, so they didn't have to mulligan. <laughs> Whatever it is, I, it was. It's a good. It's a good story. And uh, I learned a lot from that moment. So now I'm cutthroat. Now I'm just like, slap, slap. I take yeah. what is mine, you know? I, I agree. And I, I guess we don't want to go too deep into that. But sure, sure, sure. stuff like that sometimes still happens. And I think judges should never put that decision to the player. Because mm. it puts them like in this horrible spot of like, do I do I want to like seize like my competitive aspiration? Like, you, you know what I mean, right? It, it puts yeah. them in a horrible spot. Like either it's this choice or it's that choice. But leave it up to the referees and not like don't put a player, especially like if, if you're like new to a competitive environment, kinda, then it, it puts you just like in this terrible spot. And I, I just like don't want judges to do that. And I will say yeah. they have since changed the rule on that. Um so it I don't think it's something that newer players will have to deal with, which I'm very happy about. Okay, that's great. That's great. So um to to go back to the initial question, uh Deathright Ranger mentioned that you sounded very sophisticated and well spoken. And that's why they got interested in your educational history. Ah. So very quickly, like, what did you do for school, university, and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I I don't know. Nothing like particularly insane. I have <laughs> nothing, a. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's just all it's all natural riz, baby. No, um, I I have a degree in computer science and a minor in philosophy. So how that translates to sounding sophisticated, I don't really know. Well, that's the computer science part, probably. Maybe, or maybe I'm just like, I don't know, like I, so like my, my, my pet name, um, translates to like, just like talks a lot. That's, that's basically what it is. I, I don't know, I guess, cause when I was a kid, I talked a lot. And so my mom's like, all right, well, this is your pet name. And, um, and so that's, it's, it's Boltu, which is like, kind of like a, that's kind of what it translates to. And, um, maybe that, maybe that's it. I just like, I just naturally, I don't shut up. And so it just eventually at some point you, you fall in love with it. I don't know. I, I'm making some stuff up here, but that's my that's my <laughs> educational background. When, when you say like a minor in philosophy, uh, like how deep does that go? Because that was like part of my education, too. And is it like, do you talk about like all the, the Greek classics or Renaissance like thinkers and stuff? Like where does it actually go? Yeah, there's a little bit of history. There's a little bit of like theory, um, things like that. I would say, so let me put it in terms of like, so the curriculum would be like, you have to complete like, you know, uh, 160 hours to get your degree in computer science. And then the philosophy minor was like, you have to complete, uh, you know, an additional 20 hours specific to philosophy at each class is like maybe three hours or something like that, right? Uh, and I don't know if this actually adds up, but whatever. It's, it's, it's that, That's kind of how it is. So I think there's like seven or eight additional classes. It's not really like too intense, very okay. like light splash into it. But I think honestly, like... That's like, splash. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, splashing yeah. philosophy into my computer science degree. I like that. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty similar, honestly. There's like a lot of logic-based stuff and, 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 and that, it makes sense like as a magic player that I'd be interested in like, you know, all that kind of critical thinking and things like that. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. Okay. I hope Death Ranger Rangers uh, curiosity has been satisfied here. Uh, as we mentioned, we won't go into into well. well <laughs> anyway, um, I've known you. I guess we both uh, have kind of known you for I want to say like 
10 years, kind of like that, right? And we, we've cooper uh, co cooperated, we've, we've collaborated on, on a couple of things, like we produced the Legacy, like two seasons of the Legacy Premier League together, and that kind of stuff. We did Eternal Weekend 2020 for Wizards together, and like I commentated some of some events that you have produced. And I, I want to say, I, I can't really say when was your proper transition because for the first couple of years you were like a competitive player, right? You or like quite a lot of years, but then there was this cut where you started not attending the tournaments anymore, but you rather got interested in coverage, right? I think even for season three of Legacy Premier League, you were even just like behind the scenes for us. Like you, you basically like you picked up a lot. We, we gave you some tasks to organize, and then the next season you actually. You were in the stream and everything, so you you very quickly grew into that and like very much outgrew anything I could ever do. So you had this insane growth as a producer that that like impressed me so much. Where did all of this come from? I guess that's also part of the question that like Ming Empire sent us. Um, where is your passion for producing coverage coming from? Is is that something that just like came up at at some moment where I felt like, hey, this is what I want to do with my quote unquote magic career, or was it always something that you were passionate about? Uh, awesome question. And the answer is I've, I've, I've thought about this a bunch and the only way I can really explain it is it just, it just comes from like a, a natural, like feeling of empathy and, uh, uh, you know, sort of appreciation for, for what was done in the past and hoping that it can continue to exist in the future. Right. Like it's, Ooh. it's, yeah. I mean, like, so we, we've already talked about it, right. Where the, that golden era of just like, you know, Star City Games coverage where you had two tournaments every weekend, anywhere, anytime, any place, you know you could find it. And it was such a pleasure to watch all those matches of magic, right? Um, not just for legacy players, but for all players. And uh I I was really sad when um, you know, we came back from the pandemic for the first SCG con in uh the casino, uh Valley Forge in Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, okay. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And when when I talked to them, I was like, well, well, they they were like, well, there's not going to be any coverage. Uh, we're we're not doing that anymore. And I was like, what? What do you what do you mean? There's not going to be this is a thirty thousand dollar event. The games here are going to be remarkably, you know, fascinating and you know, like a high high stakes. And it's going to be a piece. It's a part of magic history. And you're telling me that all the thousands and thousands of people who want to know what's going on here beat by beat, they're just not going to be able to find out. And to me, that was just like, I was horrified. I mean, like, you know, like imagine telling that to a younger Anu or younger Julian or younger Callum, like, hey, you don't get to watch the conclusion of this event um, that you, you know, that you're invested in, like, you know, this format that you've spent, you've poured your heart and soul into, sorry. Uh, you know, and, and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do something about it. So I walked up to... Um, Pennsylvania. I had my deck of magic cards, and then I had, uh, you know, you you a, walked up to Pennsylvania. I mean, oh, you, you, oh, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I just tra traveled. <laughs> I went, I went there for the event. I brought my phone, and I brought a backup phone, and then I brought a literal, just like a selfie stick that you know looks oddly like a makeshift tripod. It's it's far more sexual than that, I guess. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it, it, it's it's what I saw on Amazon. It was cheap, and I was like, all right, let's let's do it. So that event was basically me watching Jarvis play Modern uh, for nine rounds because that was what you know I was allowed to do. Um, when I when I spoke with Jared Silva, who is just incredible, by the way, like has I, the things that I do at the events that I go to would not be 
possible without him. He's also even given me like, you know, um, advice for things like that too. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, he was like, all right, well, you know, I don't, he, and at at the time, like a year, like almost two years ago, we did not know each other. Uh, and this is something that I have been pretty decent at over the years as I have learned to sort of cold call people and, and sort of like, I know well, this is ha- going to have to write. Yeah. Especially like in, in magic context, like there's, there's so many disconnected communities that you have to like bridge a gap to just like get into and, and make something happen. I feel like, yeah, that's, it's just like, it was a necessary skill for me. Like that's how I got my gig at channel fireball for a while. That's how I kind of just broke into coverage. That's how I also sort of a, a, approached a bunch of other people just said like, Hey, look, this is me. I want to do this. This is how I make value for you. Can we make something happen? A lot of rejection and a couple successes. And, you know, that's kind of how it began. But I did the same thing with Jared. And I walked up to him and was like, hey, I've got this tripod. I've got this camera. You know, what can I do? And he's like, I, well, I can't give you, I can't do this for you, but I will let you set up, you know, like a clip-on um, tripod to the table and you can watch one player for the day uh, and, and that's it, you know? And for me, I was like, okay, well, you know, that's not exactly what I was going for, but I'll take what I can get. And... And from there, it kind of just like snowballed because then the next time I was like, hey, Jared, look, this is what we did last time and this is what was really good about it. I'd like to try something new. I'd like to push the envelope a little bit. And he was like, you know, reluctant, but eventually over time, I sort of proved that I was, uh, I'd like to think that I proved that I was competent and that I, I, I knew what I was doing and I would play within the boundaries of the rules and um, slowly things started to grow. Uh, the, the, the most important thing is just like it the reason that I wanted to do it. And I think that's like the question that's being asked is like just literally so that I could share the experience with everybody who couldn't be there. You know, Ooh, that's, that's it. That's so wholesome. That's yeah, way I more mean, wholesome than I ever imagined. I, th- I thought like you were maybe going to say something like, Oh, I, I just like, I got a taste for it. I loved it. And, and like perfect. Like, I, I guess that's a little bit more for me when, when I do this, like on a much smaller scale, of course, I felt like, dude, I, I just like love, producing something and then people watch it and then they like it and then i want to work on it and make it better but but for you it sounds like it's kind of that but also this whole idea of like continuing the the legacy of legacy huh? <laughs> in the, that case. <laughs> yeah uh, and that that's just like so cool i, I actually I literally didn't know that you you know um you remind me of someone you probably don't know and a lot of listeners don't know but especially when you say you want to continue the legacy of, of the game and you, you want to put that out there and you produce it all by yourself and, and like you maybe break even if you're lucky and, and stuff like that. You remind me so much of Zero, who runs the Bombastic Star League for StarCraft Brute War. He, he basically does the same. You know, Brute War is like not really supported by, by uh, Blizzard anymore and stuff, but he's been keeping like the international scene alive for many, many years now. And he, he does basically what you're doing except for like he runs it online because like it's, yeah it's, it's an online tournament and and every everything you say it sounds so much like that's coming out of him and that actually makes me wonder have, have you drawn again your whole production design your your ideas of how you want your, to to make your your stream or your the the, the broadcast do you draw inspiration from any other games or communities oh yeah all, all the time i mean so i'm not into starcraft as much as you know um more enlightened individuals are because starcraft is a sick game i'm just too dumb to really understand what's going on um i i I do look at league of legends a lot i do look at what like a lot of the content that riot games produces and then also like you know if there are other card games and things like that i try to learn so like 
literally last night I was watching um, like the Pokemon regional championships to see how they sort of like display their game and what could be useful for my take on magic coverage from from there. Like I think there's a lot of sampling that I I've done that is, uh, you know, uh, been it's been very, very helpful. I think, um, for example, like the overlay that I have right now that you'll see like literally in like the regional championships, even for the US uh, and Eternal Weekends and things like that is it's, it's, it's a very close to like Smash, like Melee. That's mm-hmm. another yeah. game that I've taken a lot from, right? Where they like they, they have to deal with a four by three, you know, game game piece, like which is like the, their their screen. And then they have to fill in everything on the left and the right to, to make it look as as uh, uh, charming as it does. And, you know, I'm not I'm not quite there yet with the full polish of, of, of an entire production team like, you know, BTS or whatever. But um <laughs> You know, the, the ideas are definitely there, and, and I've toyed around with a lot of things. Like, you know, for example, like when when I watched the Pro Tour, I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I I generally prefer like the left and right calibration of the players rather than the top and bottom because uh, I mean it's just like what I grew up on and like what I what I personally like. But it was really interesting to see, like, okay, well, you know, this is um, you know, maybe what the what their take is on on coverage and and magic coverage isn't something static. It can be like you know something very robust and 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 uh, malleable. And so I, I I don't know. I think the, the reality is is like I am not someone who comes up with great ideas, but I am capable of identifying what does function and then like you know sort of mishmashing a solution that is either similar or like you know takes aspects and then sort of. Uh, turns into something else right I, yeah. I i i don't know maybe like quote unquote fair use or whatever is is a the way the way of of doing mm-hmm. it but i also think that's just like if for when it comes to a lot of content like if you like something that you watch and you're trying to create something i don't think that it is a, i don't think it's like a sin to be like okay i'll i'll do something like this and i'll put my own tweak on it and make it you know customize it to me make it mine and then air that that's kind of like what i did with the coverage right it's just like okay well this is a little piece that i like from what star city is doing this is a little piece that i like from melee this is what i like from you know league of legends and then and it, it's it's still there's a lot ongoing. I'll give you I'll give you an example. Like for example, from League of Legends, one thing that I really like that they do is like the way they incorporate audio into their broadcasts. So you know mm-hmm. when they have um, the casters talking over the game, uh, then they transition over to like the the news desk. At any time, the news desk when they're talking normally, there's no audio in the background. But when they cut to a clip from the game that they just watched, you can hear like some really cool like you know electronica or something like that. And I I kind of feel like the the magic equivalent would be like you know you have casters who are talking about hey welcome to the match you know blah blah blah. Let's take a look at the deck list. And when you go to the deck list, you have like a cool little bit of intro to sort of like you know snap the audience back into. Things like uh-huh. that, right? Like that's that's kind of what it, and it keeps it like, like a lot more dynamic, right? Yeah, exactly, right. That's that's a great way of putting it. Keeping the stream um, dynamic, exciting. I I know like audio is one of my weak spots, and so like I could go on and on and on, but like that's kind of you know. I was going to ask you about that because I, I remember you once messaged me and you you sent me like a couple of like songs and you were like, hey, do you think we could just like run this in the background of of like a broadcast or something? Mm-hmm. And, and you you have so many ideas that nobody has ever done. And like we, we probably don't hear about the ones that were not so great, but you're really <laughs> like you're on the cutting edge of, produ- of producing ma- magic coverage, and and I love that, As, especially this whole idea. You know, we always talk about in, in content creation, like make the stuff that you want to see, that you want to listen to, that you want to consume. Like, don't make the stuff that you think somebody else. Like, make the quickest, cool stuff that you want to see, and there's probably gonna be a big audience for that. And I think you very much embody that, and I love that. Yeah, I think I think so too. I think um, I mean like do good work and then you know all you'll you'll reap the benefits or whatever kind of deal like if i if i am if i'm not convinced that my product is good 
Like, why would I ever market it? You know what I mean? Like, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think like, like looking back at like what I did the past two years and I, and I don't want, I know we don't want to talk too much about like the past two years, but like 2022 was just about proving that I had a product that was functional. And then 2023 was about putting it on the market and seeing what I could do financially to sort of recoup the insane amount of money that I spent on, on <laughs> all that sort mm -hmm. of stuff. Yeah. Can I ask you one quick question? Mm -hmm. Because there's a name that always comes up. And whenever I ask you about, hey, how, how did you do this? Like, how, how did you come up with this? There's always one person you tell me about that I never see present in any stream, podcast, article, whatever. But like when I, when I talk to people, not only you, they mention his name. Who is Bradley JX? You remember the Swiss Triangle website, Callum? Do you know about it? I remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you look at the URL, it's like SwissTriangle.BradleyJX.com or something. And this is what I used like way, way, way back. I mean, Jarvis had been sending this to me. Jarvis, you had been sending this to me for many times. And uh, just to calculate, oh, can I make top eight? If I go X and two, what needs to happen? You know, oh, I can't. Yeah, I, I'll drop. I did use it quite a few times at events because I'm way too dumb to work out normally. So. Me too. I like the Callum Light <laughs> likes to imply that he was close to top eights. <laughs> hey, <laughs> look, Callum's a killer. Callum wins the first round. He's like, okay, how many more wins do I need? How many more? Come on, let's check the Swiss triangle. If this is three rounds and I've won the first. Mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Bradley JX is, um, his name is Jordan Baker. He is legitimately in my mind, the, the goat of coverage uh like he is he is like you know taught me everything that i know functionally whether it comes to what um you know good design elements are or literally like you know how to set up a network of computers so that i can you know uh you know do like the the modern technologies for broadcasts and things like that like he he has the just the biggest brain i have ever seen um, and you know, he just like enjoys what he does. Doesn't really care to put himself really out there, which, you know, to each their own, I respect that a lot. Um, but he's, he's, he's fantastic. Um, just to give you an idea of where you may have seen Jordan. So Jordan has worked in, uh, even before, but you know, like the, the channel fireball GP era. And then during the, um, the set championships, you know, like when we were in during COVID, he was also one of the, the lead producers there. Even today, you can find him working on things like the Mox Arena Championships. Uh, you know, he's one of the most valuable people that, you know, I've hired for the regional championship team. He is like a godsend and he is just very, very good at what he does. I think one thing that I've learned about magic is that if you find somebody who is very good at um, like a, a skill non-endemic to magic, so let's say for example like the video editing, but then also very good at magic, like that person is instantly a, an, an, an insanely valuable resource. I can I can very much imagine that. And is is he like is he a freelancer or does he work for for? It sounds like he's a freelancer, right? I don't want to go too much into like you know his personal stuff without his okay. you know okay. but but yeah, basically yeah, sure. like okay. okay I was just wondering whether he's like working for Wizards or something or how, how the goal of of the game right now is to make sure that he doesn't get a job because once he does <laughs> uh, um, we like literally I literally if he gets a job I, I I shit you not I think coverage as we know it would would just radically change 
That's yeah, the biggest would... endorsement you can put out there. Uh, yeah, I, th- I <laughs> we think hope with... you stay unemployed so we can like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, like I wish, I wish from the bottom of my heart that I just had enough money to hire Jordan full time so that we could just continue doing all the cool shit that we do. Um, but it's gonna take some time, ramp up time, snowball time, whatever, whatever it might be. Hopefully, I don't know who knows. Like a couple of years down the line, like I don't know, man. Sometimes I just wonder: is like Magic even gonna be around like in five years, ten years, twenty years? And so, anyways. I would love to work with Jordan for, you know, the entirety of my time with Magic uh, because he is just the most resourceful and 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 most amazing person that I, I have had the pleasure I, I, to work with. I, I, that, that's like something great, great to say about him because I, I've heard so much about him. I've never interacted with him. And when I go to his Twitter and I like, I look for like shared Twitter followers and stuff and I'm like, oh my God, this is like the... The goats of coverage right this is like this is the secret cabal like you you know you're talking to like a real one but when they follow jordan mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's just yeah. like how it feels to me because you, you've been only so full of praise for him and yeah it's like he he's he's in that tier imo of like like he, he's not like like if, if there's a broadcast you're familiar with the faces you see like bdm and like you know you know rich and like you know rashad miller he's like at that level but just like behind the curtain so that, that, that makes him so, so much more interesting especially since he stays out of it maybe uh, okay <laughs> i was gonna yeah, say maybe yeah, yeah. we're gonna invite him to the next episode but yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to learn so much about that stuff because like with, with so many things that you do on coverage for example the those time it's not even time shifted matches right how do you, do you call that concept where you start the tournament let's say two rounds quote-unquote late mm-hmm. and then you use those pre-recorded matches to basically fill in all the dead air that, the, that would otherwise be like need to be bridged by the casters or literally just a be right back screen so that's your for example your coverage for the tournament begins uh, i think you said you you saved the community something like three hours of of that air oh that was like only like day one like by the end of day one we had saved about three hours of just dead air which kind of makes sense because the tournament started at nine and we started at 12 so we saved that much time basically um yeah the 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 phrase that i would use to describe it is like asynchronous so you have the a, a broadcast schedule that runs um unlinked asynchronously from like the tournament schedule which is fantastic because then you get a lot more agency into when and how and why and where and what you're showing on on your broadcast and and most importantly you're not you know shackled by the the downtime of uh you know miracles players going to time in round one basically you know yeah yeah we, we had that like in, in prague a couple of times that we had like something like 25 minutes overtime or something it was just yeah. like yeah for players it was horrible but for coverage like because you had that special system that is that like something that that bradley bradley came up with or, or something he's the one who showed it to me i don't i i think we were doing it uh Honestly, we did it in Atlanta in 2022. That was December. And then two, three months later in Philly, February, that's when they did it for the first time in the Pro Tour. And you're, you're going to keep doing that, right? Because I think it's, it feels, the, it's just like, it feels amazing. I think it's the future. I mean, being it like, like I, I, me personally, as like a director, as a manager, I do not want to have to deal with like, 25 minutes or maybe less but like uh of just like not having content you know like that is people people just leave this is the thing with magic right it's like it is it is for the non-enfranchised it is it is not the most exciting game and even for the enfranchised like you cannot make 
uh, a Be Right Back screen that exciting. You cannot fill up dead air <laughs> that much before people are like, all right, when is the next match of Magic? Like, I'm getting, you know, restless waiting for it. So this these kind of technologies, I think, are fantastic because they just let you, like, they, they keep things snappy. They, they keep people invested. And, and uh, they also, like, you know, save metrics. And that translates to money, blah, blah, blah. Like, the, the benefits are endless. I, I think it's the future of coverage, yeah. It, it very much feels like it. I mean, you, you save money on, let's say, production, like even just like stuff like paying commentators, right? There's, there's just like less time for that. And I got to say, commentating Eternal Weekend North America, I just loved that there was no downtime. Like maybe like a, a minute, a couple of minutes here and there to go to the bathroom, whatever. But you, you didn't have that. And I did not expect that. But you didn't have that feeling of, okay, now you're like sh almost like shutting down as a commentator for 10 or 15 minutes. And then you have to get back up and get back typed again. Whereas if, if it's a continuous like action, action, action atmosphere, it, it, it just, at least to me, it felt a lot more, a lot better. Yeah, the, the adrenaline is still, it's always there and you don't have to like vamp back up and ramp back up to it, right? Like it's, it's exactly. always, yeah, you got the blood rushing. I, I feel you on that, yeah. Cool. So we, we have a couple more questions. And first of all, I, I, I'm super curious, like when did this idea come to you that you want to cover like both Eternal Weekends? And, and was there even a time where you were trying to reach out to, to Japan to cover even the third one? Um, so so the, the idea crossed my mind after 2022 Eternal Weekend. Um, so I did do coverage of that. Uh, and that one was a whole debacle where I had to basically fight the unions, pay a bunch of money. Oh my god, that shit! I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. That was that was not the the most fun. But like at the end of the day, like there are a lot of events that I can go to. There are a lot of events I choose not to go to. And Eternal Weekend is one of the events. Like Legacy is my baby, right? Like it's it's all of our babies, right? Like I guess we're in that case somehow related. Or okay, this is getting weird. But we just um, Legacy dads. Okay, so you cool. get what I'm saying? Like we all <laughs> love Legacy. So. We all love vintage, and so. So like I, that is the one event of the year where I will show up and I will do what I can to share the experience with everyone who can't be there. Right. And I think that's, um, I don't know. I think that's, uh, like I, I knew at the end of 2022 that I wanted to, in some part, some way, some fashion be, uh, involved with 2023 productions for Eternal Weekend specifically. And everything that I learned in 2022, I was able to apply to 2023 to sort of make myself, available and an integral part of of the event that's cool and uh, did you, at that point did you already know that you not only would do north america but the, that you wanted to push to also do europe because oh, i know the previous no. year europe actually didn't get a pay by rent because the word on the street was that none of the, the two operators i was going to say do them so just stupid tourism that none of the tournament organizers um wanted to to host the tournament so did, did you think like in the next year if, if europe has a tournament i want to be there the part of the thought in my mind was like, yeah, it, like some people had asked me in 2022, it was like, hey, are you going to Europe next year? And I was like, you know what? That would be really cool. And then the light bulb kind of like, you know, clicked and I was like, all right, well, you know, let's let's see if we can make it happen. Um, honestly, it, it wasn't until quite late into the year. I think it was MagicCon Vegas where I was actually able to set up the connection. And by the way, like if anyone is trying to create content, like let me tell you, these MagicCon events are like you, you just like I highly, highly recommend going to these events just to meet important people that you can network with because a lot of my job is not um, actually creating the OBS backend or buying the cameras or things like that. It is convincing somebody that what I am doing is valuable and that 
I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Like, like networking, being in the right place at the right time, getting lucky is more important than a lot of stuff. I mean, you, you, you play to your outs, you do the work beforehand so you can put yourself in a position to get lucky. I basically, this, it's like real life is just like playing miracles in magic, right? Like that's, that's basically what it is. Um, oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So I highly re recommend going to these magic on adventures if you're looking to like, you know, collaborate or level up or, or do anything cool because that's where like all the people are they they congregate and they make it they're like they, they, they literally scream to you hey i'm here come say hi to me um but obviously like in in the appropriate fashion and so yeah, it's I different think, than uh, like sending uh, like some unsolicited message on like twitter that gets lost in the in the spam folder anyway yeah i guess 100 yeah. percent. show your face shake a hand you know do all that sort of stuff do you have a business card? I, I don't. And I, I, I think we talked about this in Prague, right? That you kind of yes, want to get one. Yes, I need one. I need one so badly because it's it's just like, I need something that's like really sharp that says like, whatever, I'm the CEO bitch or whatever. Is that from the social Facebook or whatever? Um, the social <laughs> network, sorry. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, yeah, I think I think that is, uh, it's important to be able to network. And this goes back to like, like the number of failures that I've had from cold calls is, or cold emails rather, I guess. Like I've learned that the most successful thing you can do is be next to someone and show them your value. That's in fact how I um, sort of got my role in like the regional championships is like, you know, back in 2022, early on, I was just like traveling from place to place to place. One day I'm, I'm at the DreamHack tournament and I'm doing my own thing. And then, you know, um, you know, John Carter notices and he's also just a fantastic person, you know, um, who's who's done nothing but really help me get to where I am today and, and provide all of the sort of stuff that everyone gets to watch. Like, if there's one person you can say thank you to. It's definitely him. Um, and he was just like, hey, we have a top eight tomorrow. Uh, would you like to broadcast it? I was like, I'd love to. How do we do this? Uh, and then he was like, well, um, you need to get the casters. You need to get the... Uh, UI and the overlay and everything like that, we have nothing. And I was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> okay. But we got you and we hope you got something. Right, exactly, right? And so that's what I'm saying is like, you put yourself in a position to get lucky. So I, he, asked, he came to me with the opportunity after seeing what I had done. And I was like, well, I've done most of this work already. I'll give you my overlays. I'll find these people that are on site. We'll do something in person. Let's go, go, go. And within three hours, I had the whole thing ready to go for the next day. The thing is, at, at, at that point, you really got to know what you're doing, right? At that point, you can't be like, okay, I think it's going to work that way. And that's where the whole part about like being prepared, right? You, you might not have the opportunity yet, but you're prepared in case it comes around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I yeah, love that. exactly, right? So like in magic terms, like keep Terminus second from the top so that when your opponent <laughs> commits, overcommits, you're like, aha, I tricked you. It's actually there and not here. And then you, whatever. Anyways, this is a bad example, but like that, that kind of stuff, right? Like it, it's not easy. Um... But like, you know, that's why they say being, you know, like better lucky than, than, than good. But the reality is, is like better lucky and also just be good too, just in case, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just in case. It can't yeah. hurt you if you're also good. That's, yeah. that's great. Dude, but um, so I, I, I'm wondering, you did Prague now, you did uh, Pittsburgh, both of those events. That, that was an insane amount of work and almost back to back, basically, right? You, you came to Prague, like we, we hung out there like for one night and then you, you had to do basically, I want to say like, two and a half days of work, like almost constantly. I, I think, I, I don't know if I can say this, did, didn't you actually like fall asleep or like take a nap during one of the rounds in Prague because you <laughs> I, were so exhausted? I think I you told I me. did, yeah, the, the jet lag eventually caught up to me. Um, Friday night, I think I slept for three hours before the main event in Legacy. And so fortunately I was blessed to have um, 
Inigo around. So that's Runcor uh, from whatever discords, the legacy community. I'll put it the Impact Returns. Yes, that's yeah. yeah he's one of the core yeah. organizers of, of Impact Returns. By the way, amazing tournament. You he, gotta he be there next year, the next Four Seasons summer. coverage, Ilium coverage as well. He yeah. was the one pulling all the strings behind the yeah, scenes. I, I kind of want to say like Inigo in many ways is, is the European version of Anorak. Mm -hmm, I agree. Like not on the same level yet, but certainly He's, when it comes to passion and dedication. Yeah. I will tell you the only thing holding him back is... It's um, <laughs> It's just like the European legacy scene is like a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he can do everything I can do. I, I He just needs, if he has the tools, he will operate with the same surgical precision that I can. Um, Someone just needs to give it to him and then i'm pretty sure he, he could basically do everything that yeah like it's he understands everything he's one of the few people that i has demonstrated that you know they understand like okay this component works with this i understand this but how do i do this and then when i answered a couple of his questions like i'm pretty sure he, like if you just yeah if you just give him the cameras and the computers and stuff like that he, he could literally do what i do like i i full endorsement yeah yeah, Inigo is amazing. I, I'm very much looking forward to the next Impact Returns. He already told me he wants to implement some of the stuff that he has learned from you, and I, I couldn't be more excited. So if anybody is wondering, check out Impact Returns. I'm certainly going to be there next year. It should be around July. Uh, hopefully, we, we can get a whole lot more, because this is, this is basically the second biggest legacy tournament in Europe after four seasons, and we're going to try to make it maybe almost as big and certainly there's a lot of room and, and prices and everything so yes yeah. the dedication is, is there and we, yeah, we the, make the sure events that are, more people hear about it the events are intense i mean i i'm looking back now at my my log for like pittsburgh for example and i have 45 hours over the four days like it's at least 10 hours a day of work you know you wake up at seven show up at eight you stay until the very end you know you leave at and at, at seven or eight just in time for dinner and then at the end of that i'm just you're just exhausted you just go to bed you wake up the next day you rinse repeat and then it's suddenly sunday everyone's gone and you're like well i didn't get to hang out with people too much i didn't get to play any games of magic but you know i like the work that you do is just it's it's insane right so I don't know. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, can, it can get pretty intense at times. But... And it's also like, I want to say like the responsibility, right? Because everything I've seen from you, it felt like it's when it comes to organizing and running stuff, it's basically like a one man show. Like you, you don't have like an apprentice or something, right? And I desperately need one. We could talk about that too. But um, yeah, I think uh, that, I, I, yeah. that is, that's basically it, right? Which is like, you know, direction, production, um, someone who understands how to like basically building the stack from the ground up myself you know i know every in, all the ins and outs and then keeping all the pieces it, it, there, there's a lot going on and i'm I, I don't know, i'm only like what i'm 31 and i feel like sometimes like I, I there's so much stuff going on that like i'll even forget like oh i forgot to you know press a button that'll capture the standings for this round or like you know something like that right like it it does it does catch up and um i think i think that's that's the other thing too which is like people understand that you know okay you're working on this and um, you get some leeway because, you know, you're not like a, a multi-million dollar corporation. You're just a guy. You're literally one guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's been there's been enough help. You know, there, there are a lot of cool resources out there. Shout out to also like Jeff Foster, who's, you know, as as cracked as Jordan when it comes to coverage, has been an integral part of all that sort of stuff. Um, there, there, it's, it's, I'm not alone, you know. That's what I've learned over over time. And so, yeah. Okay, so let's actually get into that apprentice part because I think a lot of people would be like, oh yes, I want to do what Anorak is doing. And I think m most of those probably severely underestimate like the commitment and the time investment and everything. And 
So is that something that you are almost actively reaching out to people for by now? Because you, you already also told me like in Prague, I guess we can talk about that, that you also have some life changes coming up next year that might make it harder for you to fully commit. So at that point, you really need somebody to, to join your, I was going to say company, I guess you run a company at, at that point once you get somebody on. So is that is that something that you already are actively working towards or is that still a future project? It's uh, It's definitely something that I'm working on actively right now. And I don't know what a good solution is because, well, to be quite honest, it is, it's a lot. Like I, if I, if I had to explain my one trip, right. So, you know, here, here's like how my week goes, right. For coverage or I'll, I'll Thursday, I will. Yeah, walk us like through a typical coverage uh, weekend for, for Anoraktas. Yeah, sure. So when Wednesday night, you know, you spend some time packing. Most of my bags are unpacked because I just came back from somewhere else. Um, and so make sure that I'm ready to go. Thursday, you know, I have a flight that leaves at whatever time. I have to quickly finish up work, make sure that, you know, I don't have any loose ends or anything like that. And then before I know it, I'm kind of on my way, lugging 200 pounds of literal audio video equipment. Just, I think it's getting heavier and heavier each time because I'm always adding like one new thing or one like this. <laughs> but at this point, it's just like, like it's, it's, it's a pain in the ass to have to drag, you know, for at least like a mile, I guess, of, of, of walking. Um, like, you, you know, basically all this you got an, an entire studio set up. Pretty much. Yeah, 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 right? And so, like, this is the first thing that you're going to have to realize, right? Like, the, the the sheer amount of physical effort, like, I mean, literally picking up and putting down and picking up and putting down stuff is is just annoying. Someone has to put it together and someone has to tear it down. If, if you know, someone's going to do what I do, they'd have to be responsible for basically making sure that everything gets from point A to point B in completely safe status, but then also... You know, you can literally physically move all the items. Um, and so that's that's Thursday. Thursday is just literally getting to where I need to go. Friday is waking up at 6 a.m., making sure that I am on site as early as I possibly can be, talking to the TO, making sure that they're aware that I'm here, that we're on the same page, lugging my 200 pounds of equipment, like picking it up, fitting it into the trunk of a car. By the way, which is which is kind of crazy that these small cars can hold like four suitcases together and a backpack <laughs> that also weighs like, you know, 40 pounds. I don't know. It's it's um it's crazy. Uh, but you're like playing Tetris in real life kind of deal. Uh, yeah, but then and then slowly unpacking every single cable wire setting up you know the the uh, overhead cameras the hand cameras all this sort of stuff then getting in and setting up your network of computers pulling out all my hotspots and making sure they're all synced up like it's it's a lot and that's that's basically what friday is right it's like seven eight nine hours of just like setting up making sure like you know factoring everything in like i don't want the glare to be there i don't want uh the this to be there or that to be there making sure that uh you know there was one time i was at an scg con where like I, I was setting up, I walk away for 15 minutes to go get a bite to eat, come back, and I notice that there's, like, literal rubble, like, that fell from the ceiling. <laughs> and Sorry. I was like, yeah. And I was like, what the hell is this? And so I had to move my entire setup. There's also, like, you know, collaborating with other creators, you know, who want to do the same thing, right? Like, for Flesh and Blood, for example, like, one time I had to literally... I was halfway set up. Someone came and they were like, I, I, can't, I can't work from this spot can I move to where you are? So I, I was like, you know what? All right, fine. I disconnected everything that I had, moved it over a little oh bit and then re and reset up, right? Like, like there, here, here's the first thing, right? It's like nothing ever goes according to plan. Um, and so having a lot of leeway to sort of hedge for that is very important, but that's like a generic thing in life, right? Like I, I, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and then Saturday, Sunday, those are the show days. Uh, again, once again, like wake up at six, 
you know, go to bed after like an, in an hour after I've eaten maybe at most, but I'm usually like one of the last people to leave the venue hall on Sunday night. Um, tear down takes like an hour, an hour, two hours or something like that. And then Monday morning I'm flying back. So like, and I keep, and Monday morning I'm flying back with the same amount of luggage. Also trying to figure out like, this is another big thing too, is like, how do you pay for each weekend? Right. Cause if you think about the costs, right, you have to pay for airfare, you have to pay for internet, you have to pay for casters, you have to pay for hotel, you have to pay for, um, like baggage and things like that. And like, like I would say each show that I go to costs roughly, $3,000. That's basically coming out of your pocket and then you have to recoup that somehow. Yeah. And so I have to figure out like ways to find sponsors and like, you know, cut costs and things like that. And, and honestly, like it's, it's, it was, it's fine. Um, like I mentioned way earlier, 2022 was, you know, MVP. And then this year is uh, sorry minimum viable product, and then this year was mostly about like marketing and making sure that if I spend three thousand dollars, that I'm not making zero back, right? And so, yeah, I was gonna say like that that three thousand that's like production cost, but that doesn't include like your your time spent on on the site for like four days almost. Yes, and that's the other thing too, right? Like if you think about what I'm getting for my labor, I'm getting paid zero. So for somebody who wants to do all of the stuff I do, you have to, I have thought about this a lot. And what I am doing is, is actually, it's certifiably insane. I am literally, <laughs> I am literally. I like how like, you sat down, you like, you thought this through and yeah. like, you came to the conclusion, I am insane. I need somebody to work with me. <laughs> right. And so, and, and let me tell you this too, right? Like, that's why I was saying, when I, when I say like, some of these names that I've mentioned to you, like Jordan, Jeff, Inigo, these people, they are also insane. They just like coverage. Oh my God. Like, yeah, yeah, like, like you, uh, for me to like find somebody who wants to do this stuff, I, I, I don't think there is somebody out there who, I, like, I don't, I don't even know how to like know about this without like literally sitting down and talking to someone, and being like, hey, like, this is very intense of a workload. Um, if you want to do this you are basically not going to make any money. Uh, you are basically, I, I don't know, just like going to be working a ridiculously intense amount of hours. Um, I, I, I don't know what to give to you outside of the satisfaction of knowing that what you are doing is greatly helping a community of people that are, are you know, very, very near and dear to all of us. Um, but I, 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 guess, I guess the most um, valuable thing that you can offer is experience. Like it, yes. it sounds like a shitty version of exposure, but like experience in running these events, which kinds of like pitfalls yeah. to watch out for and stuff like this. This is like becoming a rob robust content creator or producer in that sense, and I think that could be worth a lot to people who maybe eventually want to go further. Um, but of course, you also don't want to teach somebody and then they leave you after like a, a couple of months again. So right, yeah. I, like let, let me tell you this, right? Like I worked one week weekend with Inigo. I've seen the work he's done, and if he like, if only he lived in the U.S., I would be hiring him constantly for you know all the RCs and like the eternal weekends that I'm running because I I know now that he is capable and I know who to connect him to to continue doing this sort of work, right? That's just like one of those things where it's like it is it networking is invaluable. I also don't believe in in paying with exposure. I want to give people literal dollars so that you know like to compensate them for their time. But this is one of those things where just like the entire operation like like the way I have been doing it, I have 
I, I, I have not been receiving nearly as much money as I am spending, uh, as, is, as I've made very apparent, as a lot of people already know, but there are a couple other intangibles out there. Like, I mean, like I, I am telling you, like exposure's not, it doesn't pay the bills, but once you meet the right person, like in this industry, you know, you're basically unlocking doors and a lot of that sort of stuff. And, and I, I personally don't feel comfortable despite like being able to offer that to tell somebody, Hey, like, like I'm not, I, I can't pay you. So that's why I've been very hesitant to be like, Hey, yeah, I'm going to accept an apprentice or I, I don't even know if I want to like phrase it that way, but like, like a partner almost that, that. Yeah. I was of... going to say like, it's, it sounds more like a, like a startup that you you're looking to get somebody in on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of right. Like Will is the great, Will Hall is another person who is also insane. Like this, the, the guy doesn't take payment for coverage in a lot of instances. And I'm just like, that's the, that's the kind of vibe. Like, you know, they're they're The reality is, is like, okay, this is, and this is just like me. This is what I've learned in two years. There is basically very little, or it is very hard to make money out of magic. Right. This is, yeah. Um, I mean, like we've seen like, you know, Twitter drama by like vendors and things like that. You know, when we think about like coverage too, we know how much like Cedric has spoken, for example, about like the costs of coverage and, and why it is difficult to sustain. I think, you know, the way I operate coverage is um, certainly like a solution. It's much cheaper than having an entire staff. It's not exactly as polished, sure, but like you get 90% of the features for like like 10% of the costs kind of deal. Um but like, but like, it is it is very hard to to make money. Like, I mean, you've seen your um, you know streamer analytics from Twitch. You know what ad revenue ad revenue numbers are like. <laughs> um, yeah, and that that's like, that's my thought too. I just I just chuckle and I'm like, all right, well, um, what's important in Magic? How do you actually break in? And it, unfortunately, it is like literally just getting to know the right people at the right time by getting lucky and doing good work. And 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 that's where it's just like, it, it's it's kind of annoying because. This is a specific instance where exposure actually does get you really far. Um, but again, like I inherently, I feel like if I'm not sending someone a paycheck and like in addition to whatever other value I can provide them, then that's just like, it feels a little unethical. So I, I don't know that that's, that's like one bucket mm -hmm. of, of things. Um, and then I, I guess, I guess this is, this is one way that I have maybe sort of recouped value quote unquote. But uh, it is um, spending the last two years functionally developing my brand uh, as someone yeah. who was and not then, a can, can, can I interrupt you there? Yeah. You, you, I, I can't believe that you still don't have like a logo. Actually, I do, but I don't. It's it's like it's kind of weird. Oh, it's, it's like it's like on your invoices or stuff, but nobody ever sees it. <laughs> like I want you to have a logo so badly because I think you, you'd have like a really cool one. Oh, you know what it is? It's it's like Sensei's divining top with two wings for entreat the angels. It's like a very I, I could say I'll send it. It's it's not. I I probably make a better one too. It's, it's but it's it's something I've I've definitely thought about. Um, because I definitely want to have like a sticker where like if I slap it on something, people will be like, oh, that's the the coverage guy who plays Legacy or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, I think pe people like very much identify with you because you you are our yeah well I guess angel who who comes into like for for us it's Legacy right very Legacy podcast but even like Magic as a whole. I had this, as you mentioned, post-COVID emptiness of coverage, and then you came in, and like you, you, you are far from only streaming legacy, right? You, you stream all these RCs and what have you. Like you go to Canada, and you do so much. And I think, especially Magic as a community, uh, at least for the competitive players, values that quite a lot. So people like to identify and bond with stuff. So I, I could, I could see that um, being something yeah. that, yeah, you, no, I you might want to expand on. 
That that's that's the thing that I've also realized too. So so sort of transitioning from like, okay, well, I'm not making money doing this. So what can I? What else can I get out of it? How can I make this worth my time? And that is sort of like that brand development aspect of it all, which is like letting people know that I exist. I think, um, you know, it's 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 funny because I I feel like there are so many other people who deserve way more recognition than me. But part of me being a content creator since like 2017, like I put my face out there and I I tweet a lot about like this is my struggle right now. Like you know, this is what it is, and people see it, people hear it, people. Know know it people share it um and the the reality is is like this all applies to a lot of other people too like it's not just me um but i i do think fundamentally that uh, like the, the brand development aspect of it all is is probably one of the key factors for why i continue to do it like it is actually something that i can you know it's it's a non-tangible like it's you can't like hold it but like it is it is something that that does add up and slowly over the past two years you know like like it's it's funny. I'll I'll show you like my metrics, right? So from 2017 to 20 what 2021, 20, I gained about 7,000 viewers or 7,000 followers on Twitch, right? That's like four or five years, and you only get 7,000. The next year, I gained 7,000 followers, and the year after that, I gained 7,000 followers, and that sort of tells you like, all right, a the the work that you're doing, the the transition is very valuable. People want to watch it, but then also b that like this is like a tangible. This is something that I can market and sell to somebody else. So I can tell them, hey, look, I have a community of 20,000 people who are going to watch, or you know, who will get an alert saying, hey, this guy has gone live and he's providing this kind of content, and then bang, you know, your, your logo is there something like that you know what i mean mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you can brand branding has value I, I i don't think i need to really get into the the nitty-gritty of that um but it's 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 uh it's something you feel like you, you you have more um potential to to expand on i guess yeah and then one of the and one of the things that i think has made um the the giant red number in my in the back of my mind like sort of justifiable is that like people are starting to like understand and learn and know and and see and all that sort of stuff but you you say that but you, you know when i was traveling to to eternal weekend prague i ended up in uh, an, an, uh, a part of the train where there were like a lot of legacy players and i was just like listening as they were uh, also talking about you and some of them actually mentioned that like i don't know where this information is coming from because i know it's not true they, they said like a year or two ago you quit your day job you committed fully <laughs> to magic and like this is everything you do all the time and then i was like no no i think he still has like a regular day job and he's like there's absolutely no way this guy has a day job have you looked at how much he does I'm like I, I, yeah i'm pretty sure he still has like a job i think a lot of people actually don't know that like you do all of that on top of being married on top of having um a, a, a proper day job like this is yeah you are certified insane <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's, it's it's intense. I mean, I, I, yeah, I am a a a a manager for my team. I have a you know a couple of people that I work with. We uh, for tech consulting, it's 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 pretty intense. Um, I wake up at six a.m. for a meeting every day, and then my day ends at two p.m. for work because I'm on the West Coast. I work east coast hours so they're, they're three hours into the future and then from two o'clock until like eight o'clock i'm you know either rendering a video maybe i'll get a couple of hours of like you know like league of legends in with my friends or something like that or i'll hang out <laughs> with my free time okay okay yeah yeah like but just like but then it's just like after that it's like like even today this morning you know i woke up and i was like all right well i need to render a video that's due on the first i need to create um an outline for this event that i want this timeless event that i want to host next week i need to you know reach out to this wizard's contact about this and then i also need to make sure that the deliverable for my client for my actual job is going through and speaking of which let me just check my slack make sure i didn't actually get a message in the meantime <laughs> right like like it, it it is it is it is pretty non-stop i sometimes i kind of wonder if i'm doing too much but 
I enjoy being busy, but I think, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a challenge because like I mentioned before, right? Like I, a lot of the stuff that I've done for magic, I, I literally, I could not afford this if I wasn't, you know, working my full-time job outside mm-hmm. of magic, because the reality is, is just simply magic doesn't really pay. There are very few circumstances where it does. Um, Honestly, like I, I, I sometimes wonder the most profitable type of magic content is actually podcasts. At least if you if you're like at a at a pretty high tier. I mean, yeah, if you're if you're like the top YouTube creators, like I don't know if you're Brian, um, um what's his name, um, the Toler- the Tolerian Academy guy and stuff. Like if, if you're on that level, yes. But I think other than that, when I look at some of the money, like some of the top podcasts make, I feel like that's actually the way to go. But yeah, you, you yeah. <laughs> I, I wish like that there was like this magic trick that you could pull, and all of a sudden magic grows tenfold, and then like everybody is gonna like come to you with the best offers to to produce their events. But we we are not there. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll, we will be there at some point. I, I literally don't know. I, I wonder like, is there some feeling inside of you that you feel like you're positioning yourself in case magic ever blows up even more? And then you want to be there and you don't want to be the guy who quit two years ago and then like you're the, that opportunity has passed. Are there any kind of ambitions to make, maybe make that full-time? Yeah, I mean, I, I would lo- I would love to go full-time with this. I Part of the reason why I continue doing it, you mentioned it too, is like I just, I just enjoy doing it, right? Like, yeah, I mean, uh, first and foremost, it's like t- to, to provide value to people. Uh, but like you mentioned, right? You make a product, people enjoy it. That makes that inspires you to continue working on it, right? So that's yeah, kind of where exactly. I am with this as well, right? So this is this is like I, I I do enjoy what I do. I would love to do this more. Um, the the reality is is that like it just pays pennies compared to what I actually need from it. Um, and and unfortunately, until that changes, I just I don't see myself. Like I like okay so 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 here's the thing that like I I I'm gonna throw this out there because like I haven't really talked about it I I am I I am expecting a kid in June and I'm very excited for it it's going to change my life entirely but you know um beyond beyond like the excitement of you know I'm going to be a father um there's a lot of like um I think like reasonable trepidation that comes with like being responsible for an entire human being right like I learned mm-hmm. yesterday that like like when babies are born there's literally no skull in certain parts of their head and and that thought to me is is morbidly terrifying because I know I'm a clumsy goof you know what I mean that's, like that's like, adorable actually yeah yeah like I learned the other day you cannot feed babies water because then they won't drink milk and that was something that I was like wait what you know what I mean? Like, so, so like me being a I father, like, like, you, you have this approach that you had to like learning miracles, now to raising a child. I yeah. love that. Like <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. right? All it's, the information out there. Yeah. Just like, okay, hmm, there, there, I can, I can, I can feel a burp coming out. All right. Now that means T minus three turns until I have to change the diaper or something. Right. <laughs> like I'll activate it on their end step or something. I don't know. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, that, that, that's my next chapter basically. And, and it's one, it's a chapter that I am very excited to move into. Um, I it definitely does mean sort of putting a pause on the amount of work effort that I'm putting into the rest of my life. Um, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes, but, but basically, um, Sorry, just rewinding a little bit. Uh, it is it is certainly like a task, to like to 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 balance everything and and sort of figure out what is like the best way to sort of optimize all these balls that I'm juggling, and also making sure that we're making progress. Okay, so here's an idea: after your child is born, like your your entire family, you just move to Europe, and then you also have Inigo there, and then there's like so many great tournaments that would benefit from your presence here, and then then you're gonna make it work that way. 
I, I'm literally taking notes here. Move to Europe is, <laughs> is on my list now. Yeah. Perfect, like, perfect. We already start looking for a house here. We, we, we'll figure out which, which place you like the best. <laughs> no, but seriously, I would love to see you at Four Seasons at, in, at Impact Returns someday. I mean, it's going to only get harder next year after like you're, you're having a lot more commitments, of course. But yeah, may, maybe we'll see. Dude, um, I have like, like we, we are about to kind of wrap this up now, but I, I'm very curious about one thing. Uh, we, we got a bunch of questions. Um, we'll touch on them in a moment. But my personal question was, what was the biggest difference between working Eternal Weekend North America and Eternal Weekend Prague? Like the difference between, I don't know, like Europe and, and North America or those specific events, anything involved with that. Was, there, was, there, was this the first time you've done a European production? I think so. Was yeah. there anything that jumped out at you where you were like, oh, yeah, this is like totally different? Yeah, so, hmm, okay, I will, I will be... Feel free to shit on us if, if that's... Uh, not not, not, not <laughs> shitting on you, but I will, I will be honest and I will be, you know, um, politely critical. So let's, let's talk about the first thing. The first thing was like flying to Europe. I was terrified the entire way through that I would like lose my bags at some point and then the entire, like, mm -hmm. you know, production would get shut down. Um, I will say to me, it kind of felt like the, the scope of the assignment was a little lost on, um, some of the partners that I was working with. Uh, I don't know if they actually expected to, to get like 2000, almost 2000 viewers for an eternal broadcast. And if, mm -hmm. and if they did, um, you know, there, there are a couple elements in planning that I think could have been a little bit better. I'm still very grateful for, you know, all the support that they offered and, and, and the sort of collaboration that we did. But um, I, I don't know, the scale, the size of the operation was kind of lost. I think when I was working in, in the U.S. specifically with Card Titan, um, their team, they did a great job at sort of like understanding like the complexity of the assignment and the impact and the scale and the scope of things. So like they realized like, hey, you know, like, okay, if you are not able to... Um, you know, do this sort of thing. We will either a find someone to help you with it, or assign more budget to you to to sort of find a way to solve the problem, right? Like like this is one of those mm -hmm. things where you can literally just like throw money, throw cash at the problems, and the cash will translate into bodies, and then bodies will translate into a solution. Um, I think in in Europe it did feel like a, a very preliminary thing. Like the idea of coverage with my partners was like, um. It wasn't more of a, I guess we'll have it thing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, hey guys, like this is our flagship event, our flagship broadcast or something like that. Like, 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 let me put it for example this way, right? Like the week before the event, Ultimate Guard had like a creator clash event. Um, I think it was like an arena and it was going over like a couple formats and, you know, the viewership from this event alone completely like, like it, it like completely out like outperformed that that creator clash but i feel like the marketing for the creator clash was like way more significant than what we had for eternal weekend right and mm -hmm. eternal weekend is also like like i feel like i i if i have to tell somebody what eternal weekend is um maybe they just like haven't been to one before or they don't know like you know like that it is like the premier eternal event of the year right like this is what everybody tunes into uh, at the end of the season to sort of be a part of it is like it is like the one thing that we get as legacy and vintage players right and so like i feel like that may have been like lost a little bit um but i, th I think that's actually the biggest problem for, or at least it had been the biggest problem for eternal weekend in europe once it started being a thing and like i think 2016 
because we in Europe that thing that you described that was Basar of Moxen. Like Basar of Moxen was like equal in size, sometimes like double, triple the size of the, the actual Eternal Weekend, and everybody in Europe was like, "Yeah, this is the place to be." And then Basar of Moxen went away, and a couple of years later we got uh, Eternal Weekend, and and in Europe that wasn't really that well known. Like yeah, all the like top competitive people they knew about it and they went to it, but even like a lot of dedicated people who played like. I guess Barzal of Moxon or like Ovino Ganon, which we had before, they did not go to the first Eternal Weekends just because it, it hadn't fully arrived. And that, that's why I was so blown away by the attendance that we had this year. And yeah. I think this was the first year that Eternal Weekend really fully arrived in Europe. And I talked to a couple of my fr local friends who did not attend, who said, okay, after watching this, I will attend next time. And I mean, that's a big part of the value that you bring to that thing through streaming it. Because without a stream, it's just like a couple of numbers you read online. Yeah, it helped the hype so much. Like, I think the numbers are just going to get bigger for next year. And it's a huge part in because of the coverage, for sure. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and I think that's something that's really interesting to me. So like, I don't really have to explain to you what the value of coverage is, right? You know yeah. how important coverage is as a player. What I do need to learn to explain better is to all the, the the clients and the customers out there what the value of coverage is and why it makes sense to spend, you know, my cost in, in coverage. Because like I like I, 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 I don't know if I can give you too many numbers, but like let's say like it caught you know, it the amount of like value that I provided was 10x the cost that I charged effectively for for you know eternal weekend europe yeah. um and that's one of those things where it's just like okay like yes those are like theoretical numbers and like you know like industry standards but then also at the end of the day the company is going to be like well okay like yeah i got this much marketing value but how much did it convert to sales how many people actually bought products right and so i guess what we could do as as consumers of coverage to really support coverage is like literally like if 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 someone is sponsoring coverage try try to help them out like give them a reason to continue sponsoring coverage right if coverage is important um i think uh like literally say like i buy this type of like you know sleeve because they support paper coverage is a very powerful statement and a very good endorsement that companies they want to, they want to hear they want to know that like what they're spending their money on is actually good um that kind of thing right um and so like that's that's kind of the story like I, I know players understand how it's really valuable but to to teach like the tos and those kind of people that you know when you spend like from a business perspective and that, like again i told you 2023 was all about trying to become like financially stable and financially relevant explaining mm -hmm. to these people why that cost that they're not used to paying is necessary is a very, very tricky problem. And I don't even know, like if you guys have ideas on how to do that or anybody who is listening today, like if you know how to convince a store that it's worth it to spend this money doing this, this type of activity, like, please, like, let me know. I am all for collaboration and like hearing, hearing out ideas and trying to like make things better and make things more persuasive. Right now, my strategy is like, I will show you numbers. I will show you dollar values. And hopefully that is enough to persuade you. But you know yeah it's, it's, i think it's in a, europe it's especially hard because yeah. much more than any other region like europe is completely dominated when it comes to card sales by card market and if like to, to the point where people will buy from like really big stores but they will not buy from the store directly but they will buy from card market and a lot of stores even shut down and they like only exist on card market anymore and they are like still like some of the biggest in, in all of europe if not the world and card market is just like they have such a huge piece of the pie and 
I think if you and, and I guess with like having such insane market penetration comes less ambition to hey we you know you want to put our name out there because you already are the be all end all and maybe somebody's gonna challenge you in the very long run but it, it doesn't really feel like it's ever happening in our lifetime even so if, if you approach those guys it's really hard I, I i can't tell you what the magic formula is gonna be if you don't know it i certainly don't know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah and so i think that's 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 a part of the puzzle like if we if we knew the answers to all these questions like Trust me, I wouldn't be the only one or one of the few people who's doing this. I was going to say, right. like, if it was that easy, there would be very more people doing this. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So. Cool, cool. So, dude, um, uh, one more question. Um, I don't know if you have an answer to that, but was there any, like, behind-the-scenes stuff that you can share, any kind of, like, almost complete mess-up or some actual mess-up that you managed to cover? <laughs> like, something that went severely wrong that, that people want to hear about? He met you in Prague. Terrible. <laughs> oh my god, that was, that, that was the beginning of the end, right? Totally disaster. <laughs> um, so actually, it's kind of funny. I, so when we were when I was doing Eternal Weekend Prague, um, we had two brilliant casters, Martin Yuza and uh, uh, Philip Skira, and uh, I think they're they're great. Uh, one thing that I wanted to try to do, I have a very strong belief, and in, in every show, I want to be able to come back and say, I tried this new thing, and this is what I learned, and. The new thing that I wanted to try was having an in-person caster because I know Julian. I've talked to you before about like how much of it's a little bit of a struggle to have a, a caster like on site um, mm -hmm. for me. And um, so we, I, I said, you know what, screw it. Um, we had uh, Andreas Peterson who was available, and I put him in a room, and I was like, all right, well, let's see what we can do to make this work. And literally on the fly, I had never done this before. I hadn't even created like you know the overlays for it. I chucked him in there, made it look presentable, and you could literally hear like Andreas's voice at certain times in the broadcast, literally like breaking up from the like the static of like the Wi-Fi connection not being too good. Then I turned his oh, video off okay, in real time, okay. and it, it significantly improved things, and like you know, like all that sort of stuff. Like we literally, I like I hot fixed him into the broadcast in real time, and I, I will say that is not maybe the best way to go about something like this, but. Um, I was very, very happy with the final output. And I think that specific um, near failure turned into success would be like one of the implementations for the future. Obviously, the problem being like, I still need, if, if we're going to get casters on site, who, who the hell is going to pay for the flight in the hotel? You know what I mean? Like that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, so like that's another bucket of problems. But um, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so it actually, it, it wasn't a complete like mess and you, you learned a ton from that and how you maybe might want to approach it in the future, I guess. Yeah, loses improve. Loses always improve. <laughs> cool, cool. So um, before we wrap it up here, uh, what does the Discord have for you? There, there were a couple more questions. Oh yeah, here, Needon. Um, for Anu, but also everyone, what is your favorite Magic event to watch of all time? Like the one event that you go back to that you watch the BODs on. Callum, do you want to go first? Yeah, mine's easy. GP Denver 2013. Uh, oh, that was Madness with Elves and... It was Pat Cox with Jund against Vidya and Tuwajaya on S. Yeah, in the finals, the, final. the finals, right? Yeah. But I, I remember that like I, I was hugely inspired by that for Elves. Yeah, that I was... Think Madness played. That was like just when I was getting into Legacy properly after taking a long break and like just peak fanaticism about the format so after that i built stoneblade and i built jund and i played both for years <laughs> and I'd, i watch it back every now and then i love it in, speaking of the value of coverage by the way yeah like you you remember that so many years later i bought cards and got addicted <laughs> to this format because of that probably 
Cool. Anuis, is there any event that you would love to go back to and rewatch it every time? I don't know if there's anything in particular, but I I I know, I know like um, GP Richmond is something that uh, is 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 a critical event for me, and like I will I remember the match that I played against Reed in that event, and it was great. It was a fantastic match just because of like the complexity. Did I play it perfectly? Probably not. Was there some drama? Probably yes. Um, but it was still a very nice like like a match of magic to watch. Oh, mm-hmm. I remember that was GP Ray Duke, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's a, that's something. Well, as well. You guys ended up drawing, right? I remember. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. For me, it's gonna be Pro Tour Los Angeles 2005. Uh, dating myself there, I guess. <laughs> but that that was literally, literally the first piece of competitive Magic coverage I ever watched in my life. It was extended back then. Like I think extended had just kind of rotated. Like we, it, it wasn't like old extended. It also wasn't like old extended with the dual lens. Still, it was like new extended with um, uh, Ravnica bounce lens and stuff. And had like Antoine Ruel on talk and Kenji Samura on like four color talk, and Billy Moreno on blue green madness and Star Wars Kid uh, Chris McDaniel on blue green um, heartbeat desire and that kind of stuff. It was casted by Randy Bueller, and I don't remember the second guy. Probably BDM Mike or Flores. someone. Mike Flores. Oh, dude. Yeah, I think it was Mike Flores. <laughs> I'm cheating because I've never watched it. I've got it on YouTube right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that top eight, holy shit. Uh, back then, you had to download it as like an AVI file. And, and I downloaded that on my crappy connection, and I rewatched all of those matches so, so many times. And if, you, like, if anybody has ever seen that... Yeah, that far spike on Psycho Talk. That was just like it, it like the the coverage and like especially the casters, they made it so that I as a total noob completely understood how much of a blowout that was. Because otherwise it would have just been like, yeah, far spike the creature, whatever. But is that the one where so he great. goes turn one water grave tapped to say I don't have it? Is that it? Yeah. So so yeah. he goes turn one water grave tapped, says so like, okay, I don't have far spike. Then on the the second turn he goes like land go and Kenji Sumura goes, Okay, duress you and Antoine could have far spiked the duress. Oh, wait, that doesn't make sense. He, oh, no, no, so, no, 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 here, here we go, here we go. He, he mana leaks, he declines the first spike, the mana leak does. No, no, okay, here, here, here's how it goes. Okay, sorry. First turn, yeah, as you mentioned, Watergrave tapped. Second turn, uh, Antoine goes duress. Kenji mana leaks it, and Antoine could have first spiked the mana leak. Which would have been pretty good, right? You want your duress to resolve, you take your effect of fiction, whatever. Like, you, you want that. But he didn't. Like, he was sending two strong signals of, I don't have force spike. So Kenji Samura He also then loses to talk if he doesn't. Slams Psychotalk. And just, like, gets Psychotalk force spiked. And, like, there's just, like, no way that he would run out Psychotalk there ever. Unless you feel like he doesn't have anything. And... I need to go and watch this after. As soon as you, you, you gotta watch this because it's it's so big brain next level yeah, and, yeah. and so strong. And it, it's one of the, I want to say it's one of the most legendary plays in the history of the Pro Tour. Holy shit, I'm flicking through it in this Maloku and play and there's... Yeah, the Cloud of Mario <laughs> picture and everything. Wait, this, this sounds <laughs> sick. Okay, okay. Yeah, everybody, I, I think we're gonna li- uh, link it in the show notes. Watch the top cool. eight. Even like minor stuff. There, there was like Goblin Legionnaire, which is a, a creature... You, you can pay a colorless mana and sacrifice it to deal two damage to any target, or I guess to prevent two damage to pay white. Matter, Nobody does that. But he, he, here comes the thing. So there was a Japanese player, uh, Fuchita, I believe. Uh, and he played Boros against, I want to say, Antoine Royal on Blue Black Psychotalk. And the their coverage actually knew that his friends had playtested the matchup all night long. 
And then the, because that was a thing, I guess that's still a thing kind of on the Pro Tour. And then he gets up in the morning and he's ready to be presented like the proper sideboard plan and strategy for the matchup. And his friends are like, dude, you cannot win. This matchup is the worst we've ever seen. You cannot win. So what's this? I think Vachita was his name. What does he do? He's like, okay, gotta get lucky. And that was a best of five, by the way. So you played like three postboard games. So he was like, okay, I will just sideboard out lands and hope I get lucky, which was just like <laughs> big, 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 big brain. Like this is That's so that, that kind of level of like thinking about the game. That was amazing to me. And, and also like on a tactical level, you would, because there were Ravnica bounce land, uh, Ravnica uh, shock lands, you would usually crack your fetch lands end of turn and get your, your land tapped and untapped like we've done that many times in modern. But what Fajita did was, there was a situation where he was basically tapped out except for that one fetch land and he had Goblin Legionnaire in play. And he cracked his fetch land on his own upkeep. And even the casters did not realize why he cracked the fetch land on his own upkeep instead of the end step. And either I learned about it later on or maybe somebody in the comments, or I don't know, I learned about it later on and it makes sense to me now because... If you crack your fetch land in the end step, then your opponent can kill your Goblin Legionnaire and you don't have mana open for the short amount of time, right? Mm. And That's something that Legacy teaches you a lot. Well, I guess modern as well, but... I, I, I just loved it so much. To, to, to like at, at that tournament, watching those videos, the whole world opened up to me because previously I had literally only played at my school and like watched, like picked up some of the World Championship decks, uh, you know, like Kaibuda and, and that kind of stuff. And I, I had no idea how those decks worked. And I thought like they were built terribly because they had like, you know, <laughs> what did I know? And that was when the whole world of magic really opened up to me. And that was pretty Los Angeles 2005, the top eight. And I will probably go back and watch this afterwards. I've got so to just is, admit, I'm, my... I'm skimming the quarters at the moment, which you're talking about. And Ruel is attacking with a, uh, a lethal psychotog. And um, what's the name again? Uh, uh, Fujita extends his hand onto the Psychotog. Ruel puts it out thinking it's GG. And Fujita's like, no, no, no. And he slaps his hand away saying, how big is it? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> <laughs> he probably slaps it away. It's great. Oh, man, man. So yeah, that that, that, that was the, the coolest event to watch nice. for me and that, that one I will ever go back to. So here's uh, one, uh, actually two more questions. Let's go with the Kinder question first. Uh, I guess that's a little bit quicker to answer. Kinder is asking um, Anorak, when are we going to get your version of the Vintage Super League? And when are we going to get our legacy version of that? I will, I will be very honest with you. Um, this is where I'm going to give the audience the transparent response. And that is that at the end of the day, um, it is tricky to balance viewership and metrics and gains uh with expectations to make our sponsors uh happy. happy yeah exactly right like i want to provide a product to my sponsor that um they are especially proud of that meets their needs and uh what that means is um i'm still trying to figure out how to balance less watched formats like vintage and legacy and, and as much as it pains me to say that that is just a hard truth everybody i think knows mm -hmm. um that's just what it is um so i'm still trying to figure out like what the what the solution is there uh i think there will be more conversations that i'll have internally about um what the future might hold but for now um i'm I leave this with an asterisk right now and and they i am thinking about it trying to figure out what are the best solutions in mind and and, and mm -hmm. we'll go go from there yeah 
So something I've always thought about, for example, uh, the Legacy Premier League that we did, I, I sometimes thought maybe one way to do it is to have like the the players, especially the the high caliber players with like a lot of reach, to be much more vocal about their participation and also about the sponsor. But I don't know to which degree they actually want to do that. But that's like one avenue where I felt like maybe this could be more attractive for a sponsor. But also like yeah, I don't know to which degree. Like the players who play in this do want to do that. Yeah, it's 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 certainly tricky, and this goes back to things being value propositions, right? Like I I have to be able to prove to companies that the product that is on the table is providing value to them, and in order for it to provide value to them, it must provide value to the viewer. And if it turns out that you know I put a vintage event on and and fewer people come to watch it i have to go back to people and say well unfortunately and that's never how you want to start your sentence exactly. right like so so it is it is certainly tricky it, it and, and 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 here's the thing right I, I i get a little bit of wiggle room i can maybe you know justify a couple things like i'll tell you already like you know um the event that i have run uh right now with the vintage cube stuff i w i wish it performed better um, you know, I really, I, I really think Vintage Cube is an un, unexplored format, and like, you know, the, the numbers for there aren't, they're, they're not personally there for me. Um, I can't really speak to you know anyone who's invested in it. Which kind of viewership are you getting for those? We get like two hundred. I, I, I get like maybe 200, 250 mm -hmm. viewers, whereas the Super League for that season was like you know three times the amount. And so, if that's what it's like, like, I mean. I can't really market that, you know what I mean? And so what I'm very nervous is like, like what happens if I do something like for vintage or legacy and then that's the same turnout and then that kills all future yeah. events and, and, and options, right? That's where it's like, it's, it's, it is a game. Um, it, this kind of stuff matters. I mean, I don't think anyone is, is like, you know, saying that it doesn't, but it, it does sort of dictate how, how we move forward. And I, I I'm not going to say more than that because, you know, I'd like to respect yeah. the privacy of just like, you know, internal things like that. But like, just like if, if I'm putting on a broadcast, it is, I, I cannot stress how important it is to watch literally, even if you just open the tab and like step away, like that's fine too. You know <laughs> what I mean? Open on your phone as well and on your tablet. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> tell your mom, tell your grandfather, like, you know, all these people, right? Um, but but it, the, the numbers do matter. It is literally like, like without the numbers, you cannot sell the product. And if you cannot sell the product, it dies. Simple as that. So um, that's what I'm trying to juggle. I really love Vintage and Legacy. I want to see them thrive and succeed, but we need to make sure that, you know, if we're trying something like this out, that we have, you know, a whole plan around making it succeed. So I know that's a lot more than maybe you were originally asking for, but I want to see it happen. This is the reality of the situation. Great. Yeah, I, I love seeing that, that that kind of like thought that goes into it. Because I think some people sometimes, like, I, I mean, you must be getting that too, right? I, 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 probably way more than I do. Like, people often message me with, hey, I have this great idea for this event and this broadcast. You should do it. And I'm like, yeah, yes. Oh, with all peace and love, I've had so many good <laughs> ideas for our monthly London tournaments. So many ideas to turn it into a league, to do coverage, why don't this and that. And every time it's like, well, yeah, when do you want to start doing it? It's a great idea. And yeah, then it yeah. never comes about. I, I think there's 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 some people, and I mean no offense, like maybe that's just, I mean that's just the hobby. They like having ideas, but they don't like putting them into action. And then they send them to you, and they want you to treat them as like this is the a second sub, coming this of is a Christ. This being sent a deck list with a wacky idea, and it's like, will you play this for me? <laughs> you, you should do this, right? <laughs> yeah. But no, cool. I, I don't mean that as in like a a mean way mm -hmm. to the people, because I think a lot of a lot of ideas they 
genuinely think, oh, they haven't been thought of by people that are. In I mean, I, I've kind of made my peace with that because I think a lot of the theory crafting aspect that is the hobby for a lot of people. Like playing, yeah, that's another thing. Because I recognize I do that for other games where I'm like, where I'm not competitive, right? Whether it's like StarCraft or whatever, I think I have a, like a lot of ideas and I kind of want to feel smart about them. But deep inside, I know if I don't put them into action, it's it's whatever. But I still enjoy like that whole aspect of theory crafting. It's just when it comes to like magic decks or like events i i think you also gotta accept that somebody will just like not do that or respond even or something i don't know anyway <laughs> in speaking of people coming to you with um wanting to have their event that their lgs produced there's one last question coming to us from our friend from australia dukes on twitch and dukes is asking if an lgs is looking to start recording or providing coverage for its own in-house events what would be three pieces of equipment to focus on Anorak, what, what would you say? You already made that decision. You do want to stream your event, uh, which, which already is like, I think, something that, that should be discussed quite a lot because like if you have like five people watching, mm -hmm. I, I always like, I, I'm not the biggest fan of, of putting in the effort of streaming an event when without like really knowing whether it's worth it. But if, if let's say you've decided you want to do that, uh, you have some spare resources, what are the three most important pieces of equipment that you want to want to use? So first one I would say is uh, just have a decent camera. You only need one. It's okay if you don't have like a million different views. Um, the but the and this isn't really a piece of equipment. But the second thing that I would mention to have is a very robust broadcast stack. Um, and what I mean by that is this is one of those times where it's like it's not the hardware that makes your uh, broadcast enjoyable it's the software right like for example one thing that i want to work on is like you know if i'm if i'm watching a modern stream and somebody plays uh like you know crashing footfalls right i want to have like a little animation that i can play when they do that kind of like an arena where like on the two sides like not over the gameplay but like you know like can, can you imagine my 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 coverage overlay right now it's like there's the gameplay and then you have the player's camera on the left and the player's camera on the right but like when someone casts a uh, you know a crashing footfalls in modern like i press a button and an animation comes up that takes that covers the player cameras of like rhinos stampeding across the <laughs> you know what i mean like 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 cool things like that right like the 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 polish in a broadcast right like like pick fonts that look good you know make sure that your spacing is correct work on all the small details right you want it to be aesthetically pleasing right like obviously like have like the 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 minimum entry of requirement kind of camera and have the minimum minimum entry of requirement microphone and things like that but like focus on making your your broadcast beautiful because that's what people will notice they will say hey this is a high quality product you don't need a million different cameras to make it a high quality product you just need you know there are other ways to polish your thing and then eventually you know you grow you add things to other things that you're mentioning too right so i would say those are the two most important things i mean like for a third one honestly i don't i don't know there's there's Light. nothing else really super necessary um oh t tokens just yeah, to tokens, I would say. That's that's. Uh, when are we going to see some of those Savatarix tokens in your deck box? Is that like another sponsorship opportunity? Like somebody comes in, they're like, hey, if you're going to use our tokens, we're going to, I don't know, cover this and that. I, that's, a, that's a really interesting question that I would have to contemplate because um, at the end of the day, uh, people are always watching and uh, I want to make sure that like Kai's tokens are good. I love his tokens. I actually, he sent me a beautiful letter. He mailed his tokens to, to me from Germany and I have it like in my, in my, um, 
it's 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 like in my room with all my other magic swag. Like it's it's like I, I don't know. It's a very heartfelt letter, and I, I keep it there just sort of like remind me of just like how incredible the community is. Um, the caveat is that for a professional broadcast, it becomes very tricky on what you can use and how you can use it and where you can use it and why you can use it and who allows what. So I'll put another asterisk on that one as well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, but yeah. in, in a world where people can't use their own playmats, it's, it's kind of tricky to, you know, like, I guess, introduce non-magic tokens. And yeah. I know what you're saying. I know exactly yeah, what you're yeah. saying. Like, yeah. I can't, like, I, I have had people have even come up to me and be like, hey, can I use this, like, very well-known RK post token? And I'm like, sorry, let's use official tokens, please. Um, Let's keep things professional and make sure that if I show this product to somebody else, that they will not look at the board state and be like, what is this? Why is there, like, a dark magician <laughs> in, 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 in play or something like that? I, I, mean? I guess it also, like, it, it spares you the discussion of, hey, which artist tokens are okay and which artist tokens are not okay. So once you draw, yeah. like, a clear line, like wizards products that's that's where it's at and nothing else yeah, i can see that but i i i'm curious you, you mentioned like yeah proper camera and and uh have like a very bus, robust stack and basically software but is, is lighting lightning something that you would also like because i feel like when i watch a stream and like the the table is not properly lit i i almost want to turn it off immediately i just like a, it looks so unprofessional yeah i think i think glare like that i would i would chalk that up into like things like polish too, right? Like when you're watching your broadcast and you see a giant glare spot in the middle of your overlay <laughs> in your screen, like that is like making sure, make, make sure those pixels look good, right? And so like, it's it, it's one of those things where like I could go over every single detail, but then what you would notice is that this is more than just three items. It's like, it's like a hundred million, right? So mm -hmm. my, my, what I would actually say is, is like make the broadcast look beautiful and 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 every show find one thing that you can improve on. Don't necessarily go out and, you know, spend a million bucks on day one and to have the perfect broadcast. Like, you know, get the content out there. That's like obviously the most important thing. But, you know, um, improve slowly and steadily. And then I think I think uh, things will just naturally get there. Uh, and one of those things will be like one day, all right, we'll get rid of that glare spot. Like, you, you know what light source is coming here. Just put up an umbrella, block that light, and then bang. And that's like, you know, uh, a reasonable way to go about it. So, um Th things like that right yeah i would say i would say like and and obviously like like the other thing too is is like uh don't settle for 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 mediocrity right like if you oh, yeah. yeah you know what i mean like make it look so good that nobody else um can can you know compete with what you have or at least that's how i sort of view my my mantra on on coverage and so that's i, I pass that along and say like hey if you're doing something make sure it's the best in business kind of deal. Like at least like, okay, well I say that, but then I'm, I'm kind of contradicting myself, but like with the end goal of it being the best in business, like for something like a font, right? You can like go through a hundred fonts and find the one that is the best one. Like put the effort in, in that. Those are, that's, that's more important stuff than like buy this camera, buy this microphone, buy this lens. Like, I think like, just like make sure your broadcast is beautiful. Do not like, like hire a designer if you need to. Right, Dude, I was literally going to bring that one up. Sorry to, to, to interrupt yeah, yeah. you there. I was literally going to bring that one up. I was actually talking to a friend of mine about that in, in a slightly different era, uh, um, niche, I guess, of, of content creation. And that was one of the very first lessons I learned in marketing. And I, I thought back and, oh, I'm trying to remember the book. Dude, I, I got to remember the book. Because when, when I started my first job, which was like heavily focused on market, uh, marketing, a friend of mine gifted me a book actually she she lent me a book i had to go give it back and i didn't realize that i had to give it back which was like kind of sad <laughs> anyway um and that one okay it's called damn good advice by george lois louis lois uh anyway he's 
one of the most famous American marketers. And he wrote the book, Damn Good Advice for People with Talent, in brackets. <laughs> I love that. And that book had, one of the lessons was, when it comes to visual stuff, work with a professional. Don't try to, you know, like half-ass your way through paint and say, hey, it's good enough for me. Like, if you, if you, when it comes to visuals, like you content, you can kind of wing, like cop, co if you write copy or something. But when it comes to visual stuff, it will jump out at you and it will make people think, oh, this is not an ambitious production. Like if you're, if the stuff that you produce, the extra content is not that great, you can still work on that. And people might not even notice, which is kind of like, it, it sounds cheap, but yeah. But if, if the visual appeal is not there, people will immediately see you have no ambition or maybe you have no money. I mean, that's that's another thing. But you, that's I mean, you you gotta start somewhere. But it, when it comes to virtual stuff, work with a professional or even just like a semi-professional. You don't need to hire that like I don't know five hundred dollars an hour design or something. But somebody who knows what they're doing, even somebody who knows that like the the the, the, the spacing, the use of the of the of the anyway. I'm, I'm going way too deep into that because I've I've had that conversation with with a lot of people over a lot of things when it comes to virtual presentation. And I think a lot of people would really benefit from what you just said. Work with a designer, yeah, or somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah, hundred percent. I, 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 I don't have that. I, not everybody is Brian Cook uh, with just like the the natural grace and finesse. I'm certainly not one of those people, um, and and I have found that. You know. By the way, shout out to Brian for having the best thumbnails in all of Magic. You think Not so too, right? Legacy. Okay, cool. All right, we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. I, I absolutely love his like thumbnail. I mean, he he. It's his job, but that we shouldn't hold it against him, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, we we started this out. Um, I, I said, okay, let's not make this a two-hour thing, but now it is a two-hour thing to close out the year. Anu, thank you so much for coming on the stream. Callum, you as well. I know you're you're pretty sick. And Kai let us down. I hope he's winning. Oh, winning Kai. Of Legacy if Vintage. he doesn't win, I'm going to be very disappointed. But no, for me, I, like um, you probably hear my voice still. I'm a bit ill at the moment. But you two were just talking about your areas. I don't know much about the coverage apart from watching it. So <laughs> it's all good. I mean, that's an important uh, like insight as well, right? I'm like, what do you enjoy? One, what do you yes. not enjoy? <laughs> no, it's good. This is a very enlightening because there's a lot of things which... I always kind of assumed and didn't quite know, so to hear it. I hope it's going to be the same yeah. feeling for our listeners. I think so. Awesome. So, Anna, you got any shout outs? Uh, no, just to you guys for being insane. Hey, oh yeah, let's go. Oh, you too. Three you insane too, people walk into our podcast. Awesome. If you also want to become insane, you can support us. <laughs> if you want to support our insanity, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you rate podcasts. Tell your friends, tell your enemies about it. You can also support us on patreon.com slash everydayeternal. You can check out our social media at eternalmtg on both Twitter and Instagram. And with that, big shout outs to the people. We talked about how much it matters that you you tune in, you make everything work. And in this case, also sign up to the Patreon. Our Eternal Witness tier supporters, Colin Garassi, Alex Crow, Tim Everett, Testacular, Sebastian Holager, Guillaume, Sean Dewey, Francis Cowper, Cassandra Davis, Dylan Shoemaker, Retro Shara, Tom Zischka, Benedict Gruber, and Severin Schwarzuber. Dude, we have so many people supporting us. This is actually crazy. Like, <laughs> this is the longest list I've ever read out. And of course, our Grizzle brand here support us. Scott Monroe, Tom Hepp, Kane, Ian Seifeld, and Colin Oscopy. Everybody, have a great, as we call it in German, slide into the new year. Everybody, thank you so much for keeping the lights on here. And we're really very much looking forward to seeing all of you again next year, whether it's at Impact Returns. Four seasons, what have you, in the US maybe, who knows, maybe even Japan. We have people tuning in from everywhere. Thank you so much and see you again next year. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.